Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacker Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will smart food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Hello, Flaypaniacs. Welcome back to Flyperbole. I am Steve Jaco, and man, has it been a week or what since we last spoke? I mean, Ryan Ellis last week, we were just overjoyed about that move. I had aim it on, just broke it all down. It was awesome. And it was nice to have just like one primary topic to talk about the entire episode. That ain't going to happen today. A lot has happened. Just too much to even just mess around and let's just get right into it i am joined by the great kurt r to talk about all the moves the flyers have made in the past week kurt how you feel man i am feeling let me tell you that i am feeling about the flyers uh how i guess we're gonna find out how because so for those who don't know which how would you um i was out of town for a lot of and by out of town i mean away from my home where where i reside and have you know steady access to the internet and things of that nature beginning on like wednesday night through earlier today on monday as we record this and i i i didn't even have steady data where i was like granted i had it enough that i could check in and see what was happening but i wasn't as like plugged in as i would normally be on a weekend like this there was a trip my my family planned well before we i think before we even knew that the draft was going to be on this weekend and you know i'm not gonna get in a fight over that because i don't know i was kind of hoping the flyers were gonna trade their draft pick which (laughs) they did oops (laughs) um but yeah i paid about as much attention as i could and i think i've caught up on roughly everything there i was following along as necessary but i you know didn't get into a ton didn't put a ton of opinions out into the ether over the last few days just because i didn't know how long i'd be around to you know back them up and speak to them but I'm here now, and here we've never had to support our opinions with any sort of evidence. You know, that's why I'm here on the flight. We're going to talk about it. What? Who said? Who said that? Um, <laughs> yeah, no. It's listen. This is more of a variety show than a hockey podcast sometimes, and that we are here to just spew opinions, whatever people think about hockey. That's that's what we are here for, and that's what content that people crave. I just find it hilarious that two of the key members of Broad Street Hockey's editorial staff were both on vacation during all of this because 
nobody knew what was going to be happening. Nobody knew that the draft was going to happen. And also the Flyers would just be so damn active. Yeah. I mean, we were always hoping the Flyers were going to be active this particular week. And I mean, and in their defense, they told us they were going to be active this particular week. And a lot of people just didn't believe them. I always, I mean, dating back to like of that. March when it became clear they that the season was circling the drain and they weren't going to buy the trade deadline. It seemed clear that they were going to hold off and do something. And I think that, them doing basically nothing at the trade deadline convinced people, oh, these they don't care at all. Like they just don't care. And I mean, say whatever you will about Comcast running the entity running the Flyers instead of Ed Snyder. We've all got our opinions on that. But like, they want this team to win as much as we do. They want this team to win. And they were all. And it's nice to see. And Chuck Fletcher's comments, which I'm sure we'll talk about, suggest that he and the people running this team didn't see what happened here is acceptable and they after watching you know you reasonable minds can disagree about how much of the last eight years was the same old same old over and over again versus three or four players who were there the whole time in a rotating cast elsewhere that hasn't always got it done but you know at the same time two of those players who've been here forever are now gone and the flyers made it clear that they want that they thought they needed to do something different and um and they the moves they made this weekend suggest that for sure from Thursday from post expansion draft to now like they've they've overhauled parts of their team and how much better they are I'm not sure I, I think and we'll talk more about this later I think they're better than they were when they started the offseason I'm not sure they're better than they were a week ago I think they are but we'll uh, we'll get there we'll get there We'll definitely get there. It's it's crazy to think about what they've done, though. Like, there's one thing you cannot accuse Chuck Fletcher of this offseason, and that's standing pat. He said he was going to change this team, and he sure as shit changed this team. And that was always the thing about this offseason, and a lot of teams are – I thought a lot of teams are going to have to do this, and not that many really have. Credit to the Flyers for, you know, saying we're jumping into this because with a flat cap and a lot of teams that couldn't do anything with it, teams were going to have to get creative this summer. And Chuck Fletcher got creative. You know, you can say he shouldn't have given up Shane Goss to, to you know, dump him. Um, he shouldn't have dumped Shane Goss with a pick just to free up money to get another guy. But I still think come Wednesday, some teams are going to be looking around, not sure what, like where they're going to get cap space to sign players and the team. And, you know, he was the first mover there. You can argue whether that was smart or not, but I see the logic behind it. It just, it sounds lousy at the time, right? To get like nothing in the trade, to just dump salary. It sounds so lousy as a fan. Like, what are you doing? But there is logic behind it. And I just wanted to quickly just go down the list of what happened. Just like, let's rapid fire and then we can break it all down. So this all starts with the Seattle expansion draft and what a presentation that was. They went over that on BSH radio last (laughs) Friday and go listen to that for those comments because I agree with pretty much everything they said. It was kind of a shit show, but you know, it was kind of fun to dunk on it. But regardless, the the main thing for a Flyers standpoint that comes down is the Flyers were expecting some sort of salary relief from the Seattle Kraken and Ron Francis said, uh-uh, not going to happen. Took Carson goddamn Torinsky. Dave Haxtell's just sitting there going, you give me that borderline fourth line player and I will run with it. So it's funny. I had... S- I vaguely remember this, and I didn't remember if this overlapped with Hack's time on the team, but Torinsky's first pro season, so he they drafted him in 2016. He had two more years in the dub, 
And then 2018 was his first training camp with the Flyers. And I I vaguely I remember this happened. I don't remember if it was that year or the year after, but he was, you know, he was coming off a pretty good year in his draft plus two year. He had like 40 some goals in the WHL, which is good. You know, I still didn't really adjust my ceiling him as a prospect that much, but you know, it gave you something to look at. And he lasted really far into training camp that year in 2018 in his first pro training camp. And he ultimately ended up getting sent to the Phantoms that the following year he did the same thing and ended up starting. It's easy to forget because this was 8,000 years ago in the fall of 2019, but he started that season oh my God, forever. in Europe with the Flyers when they were in that game. I don't remember if he played in it, but he was with the team in Europe for that uh, game against the Blackhawks. But he hung around late in camp in 2018. And it's, and then, Two months later, Dave Hackstall got fired, and it's it's not super hard to put together pieces of Dave Hackstall saying like, "Oh man, this guy was really this guy really kicked some butt for us in camp." You know, skates fast and hits people and adjectives like that. I don't know if he's a good hockey player, but but boy, he looks like a good hockey player. I want that guy because it seems clear to your point. The Flyers wanted to dump salary in this, and Seattle basically didn't take salary off of anyone's hands. Like the only, I mean, the most expensive contracts they took were Jordan Eberle, who, I mean, gets paid five points something, but is really, really good. And Mark Giordano, who was six point something, but only has one more year on his contract. But they weren't taking, those were the two biggest salaries, if I remember correctly, that they took. They didn't, they weren't taking big money. And, no. and when it became clear that this, that, they didn't want to take big money from the Flyers. Your options are pretty much Justin Braun, who I kind of thought they were going to take coming in, Robert Haig, or some nobody. And they went with some nobody. Yeah, I, I have no feelings whatsoever about Carson Perinsky, who I don't even think was the best nobody prospect they could have taken. They could have taken Bunneman. They could have taken uh, the germ. They could have taken... Yeah, those are probably the two guys that they could have taken over him that I would have had no questions on. Then you've got a bunch of other guys that maybe could have, like Andy, Andy, Andy's in that list. You'd probably take Prince over him because he's still young. <laughs> but, like, it's not it's not what I'd have done. Now, granted, they, you know, Seattle's been thinking about how to approach this expansion draft for a year. So they've done, I'm sure they've done some research that I haven't. And I don't know, maybe they just saw a guy who in his last junior year put up 40 goals and thought that there's something there. But, I don't like independent of other context around the expansion draft. I'm not in the slightest devastated by the Flyers losing Carson Trewinski, you know? No, no, it's a, it's really a footnote in history at best. And it, it is almost disappointing that they didn't take the germ, but you know, I'm not surprised either because who really wants the germ? I would say Twarinski was the worst of that bunch, but regardless, Seattle did not help the Flyers out with any sort of salary dump by taking one of Voracek, JVR, or Ghost. So, as a result, Chuck Fletcher moves on, and he trades Shane Goss to spare to the Arizona Coyotes for a whopping nothing. He traded Shane Goss to spare a 2022 second-round pick and a 2022 seventh-round pick just for that $4.5 in cap space. He then takes this cap space, and everybody's like, oh, is he gonna... What's he gonna do with that move? It's gotta be something... He goes and, well in advance of the Broad Street Hockey draft party, decides to go and trade the first-round pick to the Buffalo Sabres for one Rasmus Ristolainen. That's right, Rasmus Ristolainen. What a nightmare. A 2021 first-round pick, a 2023 second-round pick. (laughs) Actually did it. 
Holy shit, they actually did it. And Robert Haig, Body Bag Haig, R.I.P. Pour one out for the Hitmen. Are very upset. Pour one out for the Hitmen. They are very sad. And then finally, our last move, but it might not be the last overall, but at least the last of this cycle. Jake Voracek, Jakob Voracek, traded to the Columbus Blue Jackets back from whence he came for Cam Atkinson, straight up one for one hockey trade right there. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of stuff. I, I'm gonna have to drink some of my sleepy time tea just because that you know my throat's ragged after can't all that. Can't accuse Chucky of not making two trades. Well, he even made three. I guess four if we're counting the Ellis trade. Chucky multiple trades indeed. Charles multiple transactions pulled through for us, um, even though I didn't really like one of them. Right, so so let's start at the top here. The ghost trade I think illuminates a couple things. First, how much of a premium there is on cap space this summer. Because, you know, you and then the second one sort of ties into what I was going to say about the first is that teams must just really fucking hate Shane Gostaspare. It was like, he's overpaid. I don't get it. Like, you you have to give two picks to he's get overpaid. rid of him? He's overpaid. I don't dispute that. He's probably like a number four, number five defenseman in today's NHL. I know there are, like, some statistical models that like him a little bit more than that. Um, and I, I don't know, like we've sort of seen how his career's gone, had two straight real rough years before, um, before this past year when he was fine, but really the first year of his career where, where he wasn't either great or a disaster this past year, he was fine. And apparently fine is, you know, still a massively negative value asset for a guy with two years left on his deal. I mean, you know, Chuck Fletcher and his presser said, you know, there was a team that said if you want to give if you want to give Shane Gossbear away, you're also going to have to give us Cam York. Or another team said if you want to give a Shane Gossbear away, you're going to have to give us your first round pick this year, so the 13th overall pick. And he basically said we approached Seattle with this topic, and we would have had to pay much more than we did to Arizona for this trade. And like, whose cornflakes did he shit in? I mean, I don't like he's he's overpaid, sure, and he's inconsistent, but it doesn't. It I'm surprised that it was that. There's that much, like, unanimity against the guy. Like, people are acting like this is a an $8 million cap hit or something. It's He's probably, probably overpaid by, what, it's two more years, dollars, right? It's, it's two more years. <laughs> two more years. Like, this is not an insane cap hit. And especially if you're a team that could take on cap space that knows you're going to suck for a year or two, you might as well. So kudos to the Coyotes for working out a deal and taking it on. Cause I, I, I don't understand why the Kraken didn't take this deal at all, but like, well, we may see come free agency. Yeah. I mean, who knows? Like it's, it seems like he, if we're going to speculate, you know, it didn't always seem like he got along with the coaches that the flyers had. I mean, how much the Hackstall got to spare relationship may have factored in. Cause you see a lot of people from the outside saying, well, you know, Dave Hackstall is the coach there, and Shane Gossesbear had his best season under Dave Hackstall. And by definition, true. He also had some pretty – he also had some acrimonious times with Hackstall. And it's tough. It's really tough because, again, I mean, if this all made sense to me, like, or if this all, you know, went by some means that made sense to me, I, I would have thought he'd have maybe not even positive value, but not that you'd have to give away two picks and have that be the best deal you can get. Yeah, especially a second-round pick. Like, if you have to give up a third-round pick, I kind of get that. But, like, second seems a little harsh to me. In concert with the other moves, you see a lot of national people saying, like, or 
people who don't closely follow the Flyers saying, why don't they just, or why didn't they just keep him and not get Ristolainen? And, you know, those setting aside for a second that they're two very different players, I get the idea that it was maybe time for a change for him and for the team. Like, it's, it's what happens. I'm trying to remember the exact timeline here. I think, I mean, I, I think Charlie that. wrote about it in I, one of his totally pieces um, earlier this week or last week about whether about how last year Ghost requested a trade and then he sort of pulled that back this year, but it felt like the Flyers were kind of ready to move on anyways. I mean, they fucking waved the guy and no one claimed him. And granted, after they waved him, then he, you know, looked pretty darn good for the next month and a half. So I don't know. I don't know. It it doesn't make sense to I me. I don't that, know, but I I'm happy Yeah, for him. and he'll get it I'm happy for well, Shane Goss. I'm happy for him that he'll get a bigger opportunity and a fresh start. I have no idea what's going on in Arizona. That is truly that is as much of an island of misfit toys that like we've seen this side of the process Sixers. I mean, that trade they made with the Vancouver Canucks was oh, wild. We we got to talk about the Canucks later. I think when we talk about goalie options, I may just laugh about the Canucks for ten minutes. But um, but yeah, yeah, he'll he'll get a chance. They yeah they they dump some players. He'll he'll get a chance to maybe play top pair of minutes there for all I know, and he'll. He'll definitely put up points and make the Flyers look stupid in that sense. Now, his all-around game is the question. Always has been. But I'll miss him. He was fun. That that 2015-16 season was as, most fun, as, as much fun as we've had in, like, the post-lockout era until last year. Not this past one, of course, but the one before that. But, like, that season, his rookie year, like, nothing like that. We've never seen anything like that. That's about as much fun as I've ever had with a Flyers defenseman because Flyers defensemen are historically not very fun. They're they don't draft. Pretty... They don't draft defensemen well at all, and they just found a guy, and you know we'll miss him. Yeah. So Shane Gosses and the numbers you finishes, got here, yeah, yeah, he finishes his Flyers career: two hundred nineteen points in three hundred eighty-one games, sixty goals, one hundred fifty-nine assists, forty-third in Flyers scoring. Might as well be forty-four though, as he's tied with Travis Konechny, and you know, barring anything insane Travis Konechny should he be here well. to put up a point next year but yeah we'll talk about that and fifth among Flyers defensemen I hope my 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 charting was correct here going through hockey reference but I'm pretty sure as far as Flyers defensemen he was fifth Mark Howell in front of him Eric Desjardins Kimo Timonen Tom Bledon and Shane Gostaspare in at fifth so uh impressive for Shane Gostaspare and Again, definitely one of the most exciting presences we've ever had on defense in Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Yep, best of luck to him. And who knows? Who knows what will happen? But Who knows what will happen? Get he's not anywhere space. where he's going to yeah, burn and, us and anytime and soon. The, and it was hard to evaluate that in the time. Like, knowing what we knew, that it was probably going to move on, that they were probably going to move him. He was probably a negative value asset, given that they waved him and no one took him. And the cap space was a premium. Like, it was hard to evaluate that trade without knowing what would happen next. So what happened next? <laughs> what happened next? Oh, where do I even start? Rasmus Ristolainen, or, or I've been calling him uh, Jedi Master Kit Risto. Risto <laughs> is, I, I, man, people were stunned by this move. I mean, it was something we joked about quite a bit in the Slack saying, yeah, the Flyers are going to get Ristolainen. And then, the fact that they not only got Ristolainen, 
Which, I mean, that in and of itself wasn't the most shocking thing because we had heard rumors that the Flyers, you know, were interested in him in the past. But the fact that they gave up as much as they did, and of course I'm not talking about Robert Haig because who really cares, but the 2021 first round pick and the 2023 second round pick. <laughs> I'm sorry to the Haig, Ben. <laughs> I'm in danger right now. But I, you know, those micro hits just weren't doing it for me. But, I mean, hey, the, NA, the NAKGB scored a big win this past weekend when the Flyers protected Albe Kubel, and now that that evidently has come at the expense of the Hague hitmen. Listen, two of the three infamous Flyperbole fan groups are very happy today, and mm-hmm. the Hague hitmen are and one just of them is in Buffalo. <laughs> yeah, they're moving to Buffalo, which is, you know, they got a great Dave and Buster's up there. But I, <laughs> the fact that they gave up. You know, Marshawn Lynch, the man, the myth, the legend. And did you see Marshawn in the expansion draft? Oh my god! <laughs> Trying to it pronounce was... Callie Yardcroke's name. <laughs> I wish Marshawn I had man. announced every pick. I love that man. He should oh, have hosted god. the whole thing. Oh, I'd have watched that. Yeah, NHL idea right there. Marshawn Lynch is your your regular host for everything, <laughs> but don't give him any tools on pronouncing names. It's the best. I love that when in the clip there, he's saying like with the first pick and I guess it was the first pick. But if you like what he sort of like says with the first and if like you watch it really closely, if you if you don't watch it that closely and sort of see what he's saying, it sort of looks like he's saying, what the fuck? And it's while he's trying to read Callie Yarncroke's name and it fits really well when he tries to read it after that. So good. Amazing. Amazing. (laughs) Just didn't bust out the Skittles on the fancy golf course he was sitting on, unfortunately. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, they got that whole Buffalo connection. It's it's fantastic. And Anyways. Ra- Rasmus Ristolainen escapes Buffalo, and this was not a popular pick. Uh, to put this in perspective right here, the Athletic did a couple grades for this. And Dom, and I never know how to pronounce his last name, but we'll call him Dom L., he gave it an F minus and Sean Gentile gave it a J. So not even within the typical grading alphabet. That's how much they hated this deal for the Flyers. Is that bad? I think so. I don't think, think it's good. Be. No, it's not. It was, it was funny because we were, we were talking Friday morning in Slack and I forget who said, you know, I said like, you know, other than Rasmus Ristolainen, I really like all the names the Flyers have, you know, either been in on or been linked to this summer because there were there were other defensemen. I think Frank Saravalli said in his podcast on Friday morning that um, the Flyers were linked to Josh Manson in Anaheim, who I also would have liked. I would have liked Manson. I would have liked Savard. There, there were yeah. some great names out there. And yeah. They went and, with Rasmus And they went with this guy. Um, and this one was funny because it, it all happened while we were driving up to our, our vacation for the weekend. And I – and, you know – you have notifications turned on for certain reporters at, at this time of year. And I got the Elliot Freeman one saying, hearing Philadelphia is in on Rasmus for Saline. And, and it was like, not the exact wording here, but nothing concrete, but we'll see where this goes. And like, if he's sending that, you know, it's coming. And I'm like, Oh God, Oh God, Oh God, no, no. <laughs> and then like, and then the retweet come in, comes in saying like, I'm hearing the fires have agreed to a deal with Rasmus Ristolainen for two draft picks. And then I lost coverage. And then when I got it back two hours later, it's like two draft picks and Robert Hague. And I'm like, oh, my God. And I, 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 I'm I, almost sad that I missed the Twitter implosion that happened at that time. But I'm also not. I'd have, I'd have been just sad reading it. So, yeah, that's that's a lot to give up for Rasmus Sisterlein. And 
it it was an implosion all right like i it was chaos in the twitter streets the slack was a mess like people just freaked out and all the goodwill gained from that ellis trade just disappeared like that yep yep sure did and yeah to your to your point here uh fletcher said other teams were going to give up first that's been reported multiple places have pretty much confirmed that so i think I forget who, I think it may have been Greg Wyshynski said seven other teams had a first round pick on the table for Russell Sister Line in which, how? And like, oh, I've wow. seen others that reported less than that, but definitely multiple other teams had a first on the table there. And I don't know if no one else was willing to go much higher than a two or if, if the Sabres just really liked Body Bay Hague. But, um, it but, is stunning. yeah that the Sabres were able to start a bidding war for Ristolainen, who is just notoriously bad amongst the stats community. The only people who like Ristolainen are people who like big old hits, who like big guys who just, uh, I forget which player, which ex-player had phrased it as like, well, he brings, or it might have even been Jason Martinez, but uh, talked about bringing the nastiness, right? And people who like that, who like the big hits, they love this, but... Everybody else, like anybody who believes even the smallest amount of advanced statistics, hate this so much. And it, it just seems like a disastrous move. Like, I mean, giving up that much. And the fact is, like, the cap hit is not good for him either. You have it here that he's got one year left at 5.4 million, which seems like at least two to three million overpaid. And it could get worse if they offer him a contract. I mean, if you think he's a second pair defenseman, which it seems like they clearly do, that's not a bad cap hit. But, I mean, that's a real big if. I mean, that's a reasonable cap hit for the player that they think Rasmus Ristolainen is. I just think there's a real dearth of evidence suggesting he is actually that player. And, I mean, the discussion around the guy gives me whiplash because you see people say, oh, well, he was able to play 25 minutes a night in Buffalo. That's a big deal. Okay, but he didn't do well in those. His teams routinely got outscored, which, you know, plus minus. That's not his fault exclusively. Outchanced and outshot. Then you start to get into a little bit more of it. And then, and then the response to that is, well, he was he was asked to do too much in Buffalo. Okay, so the fact that he played 25 minutes isn't actually a good thing if he isn't doing good things in those 25 minutes. And then, like, if you think if you think he just needs less responsibility, okay, sure. And if you grant that, yeah, good things didn't really happen while he was on the ice, but we love like the talent there and we think there's potential upside. I guess, but that's not worth a one and a two. Like, it's almost. People are talking about the guy like he's simultaneously a reclamation project and an established top four NHL defenseman. And those things can't both be true about the same person. He's never really been a guy that you could point to his obvious like skills beyond being fucking huge and being able to beat the shit out of people and having decent and having pretty, pretty good speed for a guy his size. But other than his play on the power play, when he had a, and he did have a few good years on the power play in Buffalo. But other than that, people can't really talk about him without. Here, here's the thing: Flyers traded Phil Myers because, or like the Flyers traded Phil Myers, despite him being big, a pretty good skater, physical, and right-handed. Isn't that like what the Flyers just got in Rasmus Ristolainen? <laughs> only like with much less like projectable ability because he's been in the league eight years. He's played 542 NHL games, never reached the playoffs, which goes beyond him. But we'll talk about Buffalo. But like there, it seems like there's so much projectability based on his like 
so you could call them skills, but then you look at what happens when he's on the ice. Like people talk about analytics as if it's like a check, like like a, a grade, like one of his grades on like his NHL player ranking next to like size, speed, skating, wrist shot, things like that. Like his analytics are indicative of other skills, and if his size and speed and physicality aren't leading to good things happening while he's on the ice, like what are they good for? And like, well, to put it another way. What skills does he not have that's leading to that? Because I think his defensive zone coverage is not great. I think his passing decisions are not great. I think that, yeah, his instincts in general are not great. He can move and he is noticeable, but noticeable does not always mean good. And uh, you're, you're going to notice him. I I, um, I was listening to – it was Charlie and Dmitry Filipovich actually talking on the Hockey PDO cast, and – Dimitri mentioned this game that I vividly remember. Well, you probably remember it too. Remember the game right before the Flyers ended the Sabres losing streak back in March where they were oh, yeah. losing three to nothing and then they came back and won? Ristolainen played a goal in all three of the fly or played a role in all three of the Flyers' goals in that game. And like I remember following Sabres fans that night who were basically saying, like, Ristolainen and I think Matt Irwin was the guy who was paired with are single handedly blowing this game for the Sabres because they're playing like dog shit. And like, and like, you could still notice him. Like, as Dimitri pointed out in this, you could still notice him being like this physical presence who hits dudes. But he also, you know, took a dumb penalty and made a bad pass that led to the Flyers getting a break that where they scored a goal. And there's there's so much more that goes in. I can't believe we have to say this in 2021. There's so much <laughs> more that goes into hockey than being big and fast and being able to beat up people like yeah big people beat up little people but sometimes the little people can just skate around you know it's yeah it, it's believe it or not yeah it's unbelievable people like, they're they're really banking yeah sorry. no it's fine I, I'm, I'm stunned i don't know what to say about this they're the really who... bank you have to think they are really banking on him basically following the road of all the other players who have left buffalo in the last you know few however many years and got better elsewhere. Like, who's the one? Like, Zach Bogosian is the most recent example I can think of where he was in Buffalo and was terrible, and he went to Tampa and Toronto and was totally respectable for both of them. Um, you think of other guys, like, that have been good elsewhere and then went to Buffalo and just sucked. Like, Taylor Hall, granted, we're now talking about Ford, but, like, Taylor Hall was good everywhere, goes to Buffalo and sucks, goes to Boston and is good again. Um, Ryan O'Reilly was always good even in Buffalo, but he's been even better in St. Louis. Um, Skinner had the one really good year Skinner in Buffalo has been and then fucking was just poor awful. Shit. Yeah, had the one good year with Eichel and just been awful since then. And, you know, it's totally possible Ristolainen can get added to this list of people who are much better away from Buffalo than not in it. And it seems like the Flyers are clearly banking on that being the case to some extent. But, you know, the guys played in like every game for the last eight years for them. I don't want to pin it all on him because clearly they've got a lot of things they got to sort out there. But like who's a cause and who's an effect? You know, the guy who's – I'm don't fact check me on this, but I'm going to guess he has played the most minutes of any player in Buffalo during those eight years. Like, who's the cause of Buffalo being really bad and who's the and like who suffers the effects of it? And the Flyers are banking on him being an effect. And I feel like other teams and like people who look at this see him as a cause. And who knows? Really, who knows? Um, it would be dope if the Flyers are right because it, they clearly like this guy. Fletcher said they've been trying to bring him in for three years, which is terrifying. Um, 
Good lord. Three years. My favorite argument on Twitter about him was the, is he Andrew McDonald? And no, he's not Andrew McDonald. Look how many points he had. Yeah, so he was good on a power play. Like, he, there were a few years where he was really good on the power play. Well, the people who want to have that conversation are the same people who thought that the Andrew McDonald trade and extension were good, too. So, like, if you're if you're saying this isn't like Andrew McDonald, I need to see your takes from the Andrew McDonald trade eight and or from the Andrew McDonald signing and trade eight or seven years ago oh my god it was seven years ago before i take your opinions on this seriously like i'm sorry i just do and no they aren't the exact same player um like ristolainen is more a stay-at-home guy like bigger more physical mcdonald was in theory a guy who you know blocked a ton of shots and was a decent passer now in i don't know if that was actually true but that was who the flyers thought they were getting there and the arguments are so similar and it's it's wild that two general managers later were doing this again. It is wild. And I also love the fact that people are acting like Ristolainen is a, like, he's a guy who you can mold into whoever you want. The dude is 26 already. Like, he is pretty established as a hockey player. He's been in the league eight years. Like, they're, again, they're very clearly hoping that the, you know, the Aaron Buffalo has choked the life out of him and that when he gets to go somewhere else he'll be better you get that philadelphia water you're gonna be healed right up (laughs) i'm interested to see you mentioned it i'm interested to see what they do with him in terms of in terms of well in terms of role but also money because it didn't seem like fletcher wanted to give that up well fletcher said straight up he's not going to give it up he wasn't going to give up the 13th pick to to dump salary and it sounded like he didn't want to move it for a rental but if I remember correctly, when he was asked about Ristolainen on Friday, he didn't say – or he you know, expressed some interest in possibly signing him long-term, but by no means said, like, we're going to do this. But I'm sure he's thinking about it. And I think that if you're, if you're really confident – if you if, – if, you know, the rest bedrock principle of this trade is we think Buffalo broke him and we can put him back together here, I think you need to see that first. I think you need to see it before you extend him. And like, if they're right, dope, but you need to see it first. You need to see him be respectable in, in a non Buffalo setting for a while before you can commit to him. That's my opinion. Granted, my opinion is I would have not touched this with a hundred foot pole, but I don't know. I'm not a GM. Can the flyers pretty woman, the hell out of Rasmus Ristolainen? There's only one way to know. We'll find out this season. (laughs) Was that a wow version of Pretty Woman? Because that's yes. fantastic. Yes, no, I should have saved wow, that for the wow, outro. Wow, wow. Damn it. You really, well, you know, uh, I blew it. it I blew it. We can do it twice. Uh, I wanted to let's... give a quick shout out to... Okay, so first off, let's talk about the fact that uh, Ristolainen is legitimately a large human being. He is 6'4", Huge 220 man. pounds. Huge man. And he's probably 6'6", with that crazy hair of his. Like, that <laughs> shit is wild. I have to give a shout out to uh, Frank Haynes1 on Twitter who said... Nobody is talking about how Risto looks like Vanilla Ice. So I have to say that Oh, fuck. I see it. Oh. Oh, damn. That's the difference right there. Risto versus another defense. From the screenshots I saw, I see it, but I'm Googling him. Oh, yeah. Okay. I see it a bit. A little bit, A little more blonde. A little more blonde. A little more blonde. He's got that hardcore goatee going now. And I I just, that hair is tall, my man. Like, that's the most impressive part to me is like, how much hair gel is this dude putting in to get that two inches of hair? A lot. 
And yeah, I feel like he's one of those guys where the more you talk about him, the more the more inches get put onto his weight. Like at some point we're going to be talking about how he's like 6'9". Before you know it, folks, Rasmus Ristolainen is going to be 6'9", 420 pounds. Very, very nice size to play in the National Hockey League. Nice. Mm. Okay. Well, who knows if he will be nice for this team. Um, He's here. He's probably... The pairings we're seeing drawn up mostly have him playing with Travis Sanheim. People are saying that you could put him on the top pair with Provorov, and I don't think that would go well for either of them. No. Um, But, you know, Sanheim can pass well, but I think that pairing could potentially be very bad in its own end. Um, You're you're banking on Ristolainen's physical gifts, uh, booing Sanheim, who isn't great in that sense. But, again, that, that bank... That that idea hinges on Ristolainen's physical gifts actually manifesting themselves in the way form of good defense, and I don't know if that's going to happen. Just don't. I just let's, don't. Let's hope Cam York develops really quick. That'd be nice. That'd be nice. Then you, then you could do Sanheim Braun, and then do York and Ristolainen. Oh boy. Ooh. Asking, asking the young guy to do a lot early on. Okay. You got your, your $5 million first round pick acquired defenseman on the third pairing that's the way to go but th- there is no way you ha- you would have to be a fucking maniac to put ryan ellis on any pairing but the first pair you get a first oh no yeah you get okay, a number yeah. one he'll, defenseman he'll be on the top or at least pair. like a top pairing defenseman you put him on the damn top pair if the question becomes do you do you think you have two first pairs with like provorov and L- Ellis, he, do you see them both as number one defensemen? And if so, are they going to split them up and ask like a lot out of Provorov, Ellis, Sanheim, and Risto? And at that point, like I could see that happening. And you know, if if by some you know miracle this all works out and the Flyers are you know in the playoffs next year when they're really riding their top four, I could see that group getting a lot of minutes. Now, granted, that's getting way ahead of ourselves. This needs to work first. But I, I wonder the what they'll do. I mean, the smart money is on Provorov and Ellis being together. Like, they basically said, like, without saying it out loud, that Ellis is the new Niskanen, but I think he's better. And they want to – I think they care as much as anything about getting Ivan Provorov stable again because as he has gone over the – like, basically since he came to the NHL, as he has gone, the team has tended to go, and I think they want to get him right. So oh, I think absolutely. they're going to keep Ellis with him. And then it becomes a question of what happens with your second pair. Like, do they do they shelter those guys? I mean, you probably give the hardest minutes to Provorov and Ellis then. And then you can shelter Sanheim and Risto a little bit. And if I guess if Braun's on your third pair, you can throw him, him some, some tough minutes. So if he's with York, that becomes a less appealing option. Um, I don't know. They got a lot of time to think about it, and we'll we ha- we'll have a lot of time to think about it too. But yeah, I, I mean, don't know. I don't. I, I know. don't know how much I want to get into this right now. But like, if you're Chuck at this point, are you thinking about signing another defenseman, or are you good with the group you've got? Because they re-signed Sam Moran today uh, for a one-year like minimum deal, and that makes sense. But I like him as a seventh. I do not want you know, him as a regular. Gonna get starter. so much breakfast lunch with that deal. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, he should be the seven. And I think they, I think they largely know that he, he had a decent run when he came back last year in a third pair role, but I think he tailed off a little bit, whether the team agrees with that, who knows, but I think they, 
I think they'd like Cam York to beat him out. And I don't think they're going to play him over Braun, at least not to start. So my guess is he's the seven and you can put him there. Who cares? My feeling is they really, they're giving Cam York an opportunity this year to, to really make the team. Like, I really think they want that to happen. I, I would like that to happen. I really want him to step up and be there. They pretty much said that they think one of York or Zamula should be on the team by the end of next year and hopefully sooner than that. But um, yeah, I mean, York, I don't want to say he's polished, but it feels like there's a little less projection with him early on. And I mean, when he played last year, he looked, he didn't look out of place at all. So hopefully that, hopefully that carries over. Hopefully fingers crossed on that one. That brings us to our third deal, which is still crazy to think about that. There were three, oh, another like, cam. Wow. Monumentally one. Wow. A cam Jake Voracek, Yakov Voracek. R.I.P.D., my outspoken friend, traded straight up for Cam Atkinson. And this one, I mean, it wasn't a surprise to see Voracek get traded, but I think the 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 destination and the exchange was a little surprising. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't have picked this trade, certainly, but give Chuck Fletcher credit because, as we've talked about a little bit, teams aren't taking on salary cap space for anything short of real crazy deals unless they're the Arizona Coyotes and like once it became clear that they weren't just going to be able to to give Voracek away for some reasonable or for you know a cost that seemed reasonable to them and even when that was a possibility it always seemed like a trade like this was going to have to be a hockey trade of some kind and uh, that's always such a silly phrase because of course it's a hockey trade it involves hockey players and hockey things but you know, a player, a trade for another player like him, one who you hoped made a little bit less and maybe wasn't quite as good, but who could fit and who would save you money against the cap. And Columbus is going through an interesting time right now. I think they're pretty much they're pretty much starting it over because um, I know they got rid, they got rid of Jones. We'll talk about that. Um, they lost, they traded Felino last summer or last uh, spring. Um yeah, they were they were willing to get rid of guys like this, and I guess they're also willing to take on money in in a sense like that. And uh, yeah, so all all things considered, this was probably like the realistically one of the best kind of trades Fletcher could have pulled for Voracek, and that he saved some money against the cap while still bringing in a productive player. And you know, I think this team's gonna like him, Atkinson. I think the city's gonna like him, Atkinson. How good is he still? Good question. Um, cause he was, he is not this past season, not one before that, the one before that he had 40, I think it was 41 goals and that's awesome. And that's not that long ago. Now, granted he, you know, he's a, he's a spark plug and he, you know, plays with a lot of energy, could play a style that's pretty physically demanding. So he may be a guy where when he hits the wall, he hits it hard and it's possible that's what happened, but it's a decent bet worth taking. And you know, the Flyers, as we've talked about, clearly wanted to mix up the room a little bit. And a guy like Atkinson can be that. Like, he can he can mix up the room a bit. He's got some character. He has a style that's going to get people's attention. I like the trade. I do. I don't know if he's better than Jacob Voracek right now, but he does fill needs for the Flyers in a way that Jake Voracek maybe 
Right. And I like the trade too. I think it is a really good, like you wanted that change in the locker room. You wanted that change of pace. And he's a very different player than Voracek. Like it, it really is a change in direction for this club with this kind of trade. And he's a useful player still. And at least I hope he is. And the, the fact is that he plays on the penalty kill. He gets shorthanded goals. He scores goals. He actually shoots the puck. That's all great for a certain shoot portion of the fan base. And I, I, you know, I, I love the attitude. I love how he's coming in here. He wore his wife's gritty shirt that she got from Scott Hartnell on the introductory Zoom call, which was a hell of an opening move. So, like, not trying to dunk on Cam Atkinson or his wife, because, like, it, that, that's super funny that they had that, and it's, you know, it is a great intro. What is the deal with these fanatic gritty shirts? Like, that does not—I'm sorry, that doesn't look like gritty. Like, it, doesn't. it doesn't. I've it doesn't okay. Look, I've always had a problem with these. And it looks like an orange bird. Orange bird. Let me, let me yeah, find this photo again. Well, because Gritty is a demented Muppet, and I don't understand why. Like that one's just like this really cartoony, but doesn't look like him version. Right, fanatic version is a good way to put that. Yeah. Well, like every time well, I go to a craft no, show so in Philadelphia, no, like I said, fanatics because like it's the fanat. I think that's a fanatic shirt. That has oh, I see. That. I see. Like the brand fanatic, but it does. It is sort of like the fanatic, but less. You know, less chaotic. It's a le- it's a much less chaotic version of gritty. It and is. I, well, I don't the thing is, it. a number of you know craft making individuals in Philadelphia put out gritty gear, and it all looks like gritty, and it all has that great demented look and everything. And all these people do wonderful things. And why does this one exist? Yeah, it's not good. It's not good. Um. Anyways, but n- again, that is to say nothing of Atkinson. It's very funny. He had this shirt around. And, um, and I, it's, it's a good, good intro to Philly and yeah, that's, that's, it's a good start. And I'm, I'm hopefully that sets the tone for what he's, what he's going to do here. I'm hoping he does too. And I mean, I just like that. He's a guy who can kind of find the, they say he's like a guy who can kind of find like the cracks in the defense, like slip behind and like kind of sneak through and and find the spot to store the goal. I I love all that. I think Voracek's a guy you're going to miss more than you would realize at some point just for his, his overall production. But it is a trade, I think, that that needed to happen on a lot of levels. So first of all, so part of why Atkinson's like that is because he's, he's a pretty small guy. I think he's officially 5'8". And I do need a photo of Ristolainen and Atkinson standing next to one another just because photos <laughs> of athletes that are much taller or shorter than one another are funny photos to me. Anyways, yeah, and... Voracek in, in Columbus will be interesting because, like, if that team isn't good, I just don't know how much he's going to care at this point in his career. Like, and I don't want to paint with too broad a brush there because he's played on some bad Flyers teams and done well in them. Like, that 14-15 season when he and Giroux single-handedly – he and Giroux and Steve Mason single-handedly pulled the Flyers out of Connor McDavid contention. Like, he can play well on a bad team, but at this point in his career, he just might not care enough to. Um, but he and Patrick Laine will be fun. They'll like he'll set him up for forty goals, and they won't play a single unit of defense, and it's going to be very funny to watch. Oh, I just realized what a tragedy it is that Tortorella's not there anymore, oh, and Jake Voracek's oh, there. He'd have hated him so fucking much. Oh my god, he might have had a fist fight with him. Like he might have <laughs> punched him in the face. Mm. Yeah, but yeah, Fletcher talked a fair bit in the last year, and I think he primarily said this about defense, but. He's talked a bit about um, 
like guys on the Flyers having duplicative skill sets. Like when he said that the mix wasn't right, someone followed up with him on that, and he said like some guys may have duplicative skill sets, and like Flyers have a lot of passers. Like we joke about the shoot people and how unrealistic people asking for like shooters are because when as as they famously say on BSH Radio, when Flyers fans say they want a sniper, they're just saying they want Alex Ovechkin, and there's only one Alex Ovechkin out there. But it's true. It's one thing to ask for Alex Ovechkin or the guy that Patrick Laine could become or Austin Matthews, just to name like the best shooters in the league. Um, it's another to be a guy who has a shoot first mentality, and that is something that the Flyers could have used. And, you know, you think James Van Reems like kind of has that. Joel Farabee kind of has that. And you get Atkinson in there, and now you can – if they keep James Van Reems, like, which based on this trade it increasingly looks like they will, you can have a guy like that on all three lines, and that's – there's you can get something cooking there and it, that could work out and he does fill needs like as you you pulled in a segment here from charlie's article about the trade over on the athletic um the he said my original assumption was that to add an energy forward with high-end penalty killing and strong ice strong off-ice character it would have to it would have to come in the form of fourth liner instead atkinson fits all three boxes but he can also be counted on to score 20 plus goals and provide 50-ish points like he he's a shooter who is you know gritty and you know good character guy theoretically a good locker room guy and can can chip in on the penalty kill good two-way forward he does check a lot of boxes that jake voracek did now ultimately he's probably not as good an offensive player as voracek but can the mix like can he fit in with this mix better maybe seems seems possible and he's also a better two-way player than jake voracek because jake sure. voracek one at of his point, biggest criticisms sure. is i mean at this point in his career jake voracek's not playing a lot of units of defense right there Nope, not a single one. Yeah, but I'm I'm fascinated to see how Philadelphia remembers Jake Borjak. And I'm a little sad that we never – well, I'm sad we haven't won a Stanley Cup for several reasons, but I'm sad that we never won a Stanley Cup and he never had the chance to get drunk enough to give a Jason Kelsey speech because oh. he would have he been great. He would have been great. He would have been so good. He is – Chase Utley, Jason Kelsey, world fucking champion speech would have been amazing if we had <sighs> heard it. It's a true tragedy. I will say Jake Voracek has some pretty impressive numbers for his career right there. So he's got 177 goals for the Flyers, 427 assists, which is 604 points in 727 games. So pretty damn good production. 10th all-time in games played, 727. 5th all-time in assists, 427. That is pretty damn impressive. 10th all-time in points, 604. And here was my favorite one that i picked up on today ninth all time in wait for it shots well <laughs> the, the, the quote from his media availability on saturday after the after the trade um this was this was great we Voracek on on the fans in philly said we always kind of had a love-hate relationship but they really are passionate it was a pleasure to play in front of them it was fun sometimes to hear to shoot the puck about 17 times a game <laughs> and yeah, he, he loved to joke about Philly fans telling him, to shoot. let me see if I can find the tweet. Naturally, all right, I got to pull up an incognito window because naturally I am blocked by Jake Voracek. Well, you look for that. And I will just say in the meantime, if you thought Jake Voracek never shot as a Philadelphia Flyer, folks, he shot the puck 1,915 times on net. Believe it or friggin' not. You know, sure. uh, number one from Star Trek is not turning around in his chair and telling you that's a fabrication. That's a real stat didn't shoot it 60 more times shoot. yeah here here's the tweet love people who sitting at home drinking beer or coke scratching their balls and yelling shoot the puck you idiot hashtag huge win for this is back from 2013 
So he's 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 been making jokes about this for a long time, and I'm glad he'll you know glad he'll in Columbus he'll just give the puck to Patrick Laine who can do all the shooting for him. Oh my god! If but, they yeah. turn into like one of the best lines in the NHL, I'm oh, gonna, like... um, I will absolutely become the Joker. Yeah, it's it was it was probably time, and I mean we've been talking about this since like midway through the season. Once it became clear that a shakeup was needed, like he was the guy who made the most sense. Like Giroux and Gatorier are on one year deals, or they're have one year left on their deal and big decisions are coming on them. But Voracek is, and, but also they're both undeniably good players who are good in the locker room. Um, Voracek's influence there has been questioned and whether that's always fair or not, like, you know, he doesn't always set the best work ethic example and it, it made, he made sense as a shakeup guy. So I think it's a fine deal. Uh, they, like we said, they make out on well on money in the short term. Though Atkinson does have an extra year on their con on his contract, and when when Columbus is willing to make a deal like this, you have to ask, like, well, what do they know? Like, what are they seeing in him that leads them to make that move to get rid of him? But um, but yeah, I think it's a worthwhile gamble for the Flyers. All I have to say is Columbus. There is your day one captain. Jake Voracek right there. I, I I am sad to see him go not only for having one of the best beards in Flyers history. I mean, Jake Voracek's beard, absolutely epic. And as a giant orange beard, he might as well have been gritty out there sometime. <laughs> so that was fantastic. But also, I want to say so long to one of the great media dunkers of our time. I mean, Voracek just dunking the hell out of Mike Salesky. <laughs> One of the greatest moments, I think, in, in Flyers media history right there. Really, really that season, last season was all downhill from that moment. <laughs> it really was. And I mean, that was just so good, though, where he's just, oh. He just snapped, and it was wonderful. And and Voracek's always been one of the, the snippier, surlier flyers with the media in that regard. But also sometimes incredibly honest and in a way you don't often hear in hockey. And it's very refreshing sometimes to hear him just be like, well, yeah, what the fuck was that? Like, something like yeah. that. Like, a lot of hockey players, are, most hockey players are extremely reserved and won't give you any good quotes. Jake Voracek gave consistently good quotes, and I'm going to miss that. Yep. Yep, and again, what his legacy is, I feel like it'll take a while because he was a very good player in a time in you know one of the least productive eras of Flyers history, and you know he team didn't really accomplish much while he was here. I'm curious. I mean, what happened in the next few years may further develop that. Like if they do some good stuff while you know while Drew and Couturier are still here, then I feel like the memory of him goes a little further south. If you know those guys come and go without a cup. Who knows? But I don't know. I'm interested to see. I, I always liked the guy. Um, you know, it, he didn't quite trend the way I think the Flyers were hoping in the last few years. But, um, you know, uh, in, in some ways, I'll miss him for sure. I'll definitely miss him. And I, I do agree it was time to go. And much like Nolan Patrick, I, I wish him well, but not too well. And that's only because he's in the same division. If he was traded to any team outside of the division, I might be like, go kill it, Jake. Do great. But, you know, don't do too well. Don't do too well. I hope he does just well. And I'll say what I always say about guys like this. I hope he does just well enough that I never have to think about him. You know, like I hope Correct. he's fine. I hope he's fine. And I don't have to think about him being great. And I don't have to feel bad about him sucking. You know, I just want him to be fine. And please so do not score hat tricks against the Flyers every time you play against them. He would have to shoot to do that. Though apparently he shot more than all but eight people in Flyers history. <laughs> <laughs> 
I can't believe that. It's just phenomenal. And I have to make a quick note in a taking it to the beats kind of, uh, you know, taking rhythm right there. to the beats. Perfect. Claude Giroux took up the Jake Voracek reins a little bit over the weekend when Sam Carcini took a quote and said, G will remain the captain, Fletcher said, which, you know, Sam had to go and put that completely out of context of the overall conversation. Like somebody had asked that question. Nobody actually asked the question, will Claude Giroux remain the captain of the Philadelphia Flyers? But Sam Carcini just put it on Twitter like somebody asked that question. But I love that Claude retweeted this and said, good scoop, Sam. Good scoop. <laughs> and then he, he had to go back to the well to get to get dunked on again. And Carcini basically followed up with, what he thought was justifiable context of, you know, tweeting that out. And, you know, it was a little bit of a clunky follow-up question by Rob. So like Rob Perrin asked a question about the mix there. And like the follow-up question was kind of clunky because, you know, Fletcher talked about wanting to change up the mix a bit there, but the follow-up question was worded a little weirdly and you couldn't quite tell, like, is he saying, does Drew's like, how does Drew's status change? But you could tell he was sort of asking about the captaincy but he was sort of also asking about like how Giroux's status in the locker room changes with the moves made. And Fletcher was like, nope, he's the captain. So I don't know. But the the way he described, Cartini described the exchange um, was not totally representative of the question that was asked, the answer that was provided and the follow-up question that was then asked as well. So like, and part of why he did that is probably because the follow-up question was worded in a, very vague way that he wouldn't want to cop to but yeah i don't know it wasn't it was misleading how he described that interaction yeah i in would my say opinion. so yeah I tom, think certainly... tom tweeted it out go find tom's twitter account as long as you're not reading him say nice things about the devils yeah, um, no, that's, go find his twitter account. bad tom on that front never say nice <laughs> things about the devils scott stevens the war criminal may he rot um but Tom, I retweeted Tom when he put this video out there, so go look that up uh, from the Fly Purpley Twitter or from Tom's Twitter. Mm -hmm. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So yeah. That all does bring us to the question you've got here. Are the Flyers better after all of these moves? It's a big question. I think yes. 
I think the answer is yes. I agree. I don't know how much, and it depend. That's going to depend on a few things. So, like, if Ristolainen is bad, do they realize it? That's like that's going to be one of the big questions. Because, like, if you so like, let's think about it this way: if you have so Provorov and Ellis, that's a huge, massive fucking upgrade on your top pair, and like, it's hard. And like, no matter what happens elsewhere, it's hard to be worse than that. They're like it's hard for it's hard to get worse with that up there. Let me put let me start with that. Yeah, and as you pointed out before, Ellis is a massive upgrade even over Niskanen, who was fantastic with Provorov. So like, yeah, that is that's huge in and of itself. This is legitimate top pairing mm-hmm. for this team. And then you know, if you just look at the bodies in place here, Myers is out, and or Myers is out, Ghost is out. And, you know, York is probably in and Ristolainen is in. So it gets trickier when you look at the second and third pair. And like I just said, if Ristolainen comes in and is bad, are they going to be able to recognize that and drop him down to the third pair? In which case, he then basically just becomes Robert Haig. Or are they going to double down and keep him in that second pair with Sandheim? Now, granted, the Flyers' second pair last year wasn't good either. Travis Sandheim didn't have as bad a year as his biggest haters want you to believe he did, but he didn't have a good year. And yeah. like, and like that pair, I don't know how much worse they could realistically get than they were last year. Like San, it was mostly San and Myers, but it's, it's just like it, this conversation is, is tricky because it feels like so many things went wrong last year that weren't all going to go wrong this year either way. And like, when you combine that fact, with the Ellis upgrade, it seems like everything else, like it would just have to be catastrophic for them to not be at least a little bit better. But I don't know. Maybe I'm an optimist when I put it that way. <laughs> well, and catastrophe and the Flyers go hand in hand, unfortunately. Yeah, and I mean, that third pair is interesting because Justin Braun at this point is a third pair defenseman, but I think he can be a solid one. Cam York looked respectable in limited minutes last year. Um, if he can do that again, then you've probably got a better third pair. Well, the third pair wasn't really the problem last year because, again, Ghost was fine when he was in that role. It wasn't great when he was asked to go, you know, punch above that weight class. So they may be worse there. But Ghost overall, I think— was horrific when he was in there. Uh, yeah, oh, my God. I forgot about that, dude. Um, Stanley Cup fi- Stanley Cup finalist Eric Gustafson um, was very bad. But, like, that's kind of the point. So many things last year were bad that are they all going to be bad again this year? Like, it, it so much hinges on Ellis. If Ellis is the guy that they think they're getting, it's going to be hard for them to be worse. It's going to be hard for them to be worse, let alone, like, not better. But a lot hinges on that. It's not a guarantee, but you have to think he's going to be – he will – it's very hard to envision him not being an upgrade. If he is, you know, whether he is the guy that they – you know, that we saw in Nashville before the injury he had last year because he tailed, he tailed off a little bit after that injury, came back – Came back early, um, didn't play as well, and it was a hand injury as he revealed last week. Um, but if he knuckle buster, knuck, shattered knuckle. What a metal injury to have! Like, yeah, I shattered my knuckle. Whatever, it's, it's, it's cool. I came back. Um, but yeah, if he's the guy that they think they're getting or something close to that, it's going to be hard for that defense to not be better. But again, what happens with Ristolainen? Can he be respectable? And can the Flyers recognize if he isn't? That's going to really define those bottom two pairs there. And, um, yeah, I think it's it would be hard for things to go much worse for Sandheim because, again, like, 
there were a lot of things that didn't go well for him last year, but he also like everything that could have gone wrong for him on the ice did go wrong. He had like a classic Matt Carl season. Oh my God. He really has like all that Matt Carl. He's very Matt Carl right there. He's very Matt Carl. And that he's like a number three defenseman. And yet like, you know, he does good things, but also every time something gets fucked up on the ice, you look over and you see his number there. It's like, God damn it. And (laughs) It isn't even always his fault, but, like, every time he does something bad, it ends up in the back of the net. At least that was how it felt last season. It's a total disaster when he yeah. messes up. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I, the defense, it's it's tough. But, I like I said, if, if, Ellis is, if Ellis is who they think he is, it would be hard for them to not be at least a little bit better. Though, if Ristolainen gets big minutes and is bad and they don't notice, all bets are off. Oh, yeah, that could be a just... Ugh, I don't even want to think about that debacle if that happens. I am a fan of, I, I'm hoping Ristolainen works out in the second pairing because I'm a big fan of having Braun on the third pairing. I'm not a huge Braun guy, but I think if he's a bottom pairing guy, I think he's perfectly fine. On the third pair, yeah, I can work with him any day. Oh man, Robert Haig isn't here anymore. Wow. Wow. <laughs> it is a weird feeling. He has been a consistent... I don't want to call him a force because, you know, he had the lightest uh, invisible hits you've ever seen or not seen, but he's been here for a while at this point. And I, it's I see, just weird. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. Oh, we're going to have a lot We're going to talk about that. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah. It's strange to not think about Haig. Uh, Sam Morin is basically the new Haig who hits and congrats to him for that. Morin Moran, whatever the fuck it is. I don't care anymore. Let's talk about the offense. See, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily an upgrade there, but, and I'm going to mix up the lines. I, I'll just read the lines as I put them as possible lines, but I don't think this is actually what they're going with. Uh, G. Coots, Atkinson, Farabee Hayes, Travis Konechny, JVR, Lawton, Wade Allison, Lindblom, Frost, and NAK with Tanner Lazinski possibly in the mix. And I, I mean, Atkinson, I have no idea if he's going to, where he's going to play in the top three, but that's kind of one of the advantages to this mix that the flyers have in the top nine is you really can mix and match and have a, a pretty good, you know, three lines out of it, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, if what we saw from Allison down the stretch last year is real, or if it's even close, like his, his on ice numbers, we joked about this a little bit about how he was the one guy who didn't, you know, have the life beaten out of him by the course or over the course of this season. And like he came in in April and had a pep in his step that like no one else on the team had because he, you know, wasn't on the team and didn't live through that month of March where they were just beaten down repeatedly. But if what you saw from him, because his on ice numbers then were very good, if that's real, then like the Flyers, then this becomes a pretty interesting top nine. Cause again, Atkinson's a shoot first guy. Um, Farabee looked like that for large parts of last year. JVR sometimes is that guy. Sometimes isn't. Um, if you, between those four guys, Atkinson, Farabee, JVR and Allison, you've got like pieces that are going to shoot the puck and you can mix and match them around the top nine there. And then like the skill, the whole idea of like a skill set, you know, skills that duplication becomes a little bit less pronounced because you don't have too many, you, know, you don't have like one guy in the top nine who's willing to shoot the damn puck. And I'm excited for that. I'm interested to see, let's see who else here. I mean, Travis Konechny, yeah, they're going to trade him. I'm just kidding. People are talking about this. <laughs> just trade him for anything right now. Coming into the season, we talked a little bit about like Travis Konechny is a possible trade chip and a big piece. Like, 
The two possible ways I could see trading Travis Konechny make sense is, one, you deal him for a forward like Travis Konechny in another quote-unquote hockey trade with some team that, like, has a player that they, you know, like but thinks they need to shake it up. I don't know, like, you know, he was always the guy that if the Flyers made a Johnny hockey trade, you figured a guy like him would go in the other direction. But, yeah, like, something like that, a good forward, but you're not going to take make a gap in your forward group there for for nothing. Or you trade him to get Jack Eichel, and it seems like that's not going to happen. If you're not doing any of those, Travis Konechny isn't going anywhere. So, yeah, so he'll probably still be there. Yeah, I mean, it's on paper, it seems like a good group. Uh, what they if they may add one more depth forward, I don't know. Like, what they're expecting from Morgan Frost is really anyone's guess at this point. I'd like him to make the team, but I also don't. I think I don't think they're. I think they've decided like we can't bank on center prospects contributing anymore after what happened with Patrick and Frost last year. Right. I agree. And Frost is a guy I really want to succeed, but I would very much like if the Flyers signed a third line center of, of some sort, be it a David Krejci. I just saw Ryan Getzlaff is going to be available. Maybe not even that caliber, maybe somebody a little lower than that, but you know, I would very much like to see a third line center in there to real Cause I, I also, as much as I like Scott Lawton, I like him better at the wing, or I like him and the fourth line. Probably not great that the Flyers gave Scott Lawton a five-year, $15 million deal, and we're like, I don't know if he can be a third-line center in the NHL. Probably not great, but what do I know? It's not ideal, but that's how yeah. – how do you feel about that? Because that's – I mean, I'm not sure about that. I mean, we talked about we talked about Scott Lawton back before the trade deadline last year, and I don't know. I thought that they were going to move on from – or I thought that it made sense to move on from him. Um could have had, could have got another first round pick that they could have then traded for Rasmus Ristolainen. <laughs> he's like he's probably best suited as a winger at this point, and maybe like if you're if he's in your top nine, he's probably a winger. And if he's on your fourth line, then you're paying three million dollars to a fourth liner. And like, do you want that? I don't know. And that's maybe where Oscar Lindblom projects right now. He's making three mil. I I don't even know anymore. Oh, I, I didn't even notice he's on. He's he's down in the fourth line here. God, that would be a good fourth line. Like ideally, like you could see if all those guys like hit their ceiling here. None of those guys are planning on a fourth line. And Lindblom, Lindblom, Frost, and NAK. See, like this is the fucking point. This team should be deep. Like all those guys. Like you can see reasonable paths to them being good this year. And like then you've got a really interesting group of forwards. No. No true game breaker there. No, like no one who's truly gonna, you know, strike put the fear of God in people or whatever the expression is. But like that's a good group and a deep group. But and, and that's you know that was the thing that was this group's calling card coming into last season. How deep it was, and then a bunch of guys sucked. Like you know, Nak was the biggest disappointment. But and you know, Frost got hurt. Um, Lindblom, you know, totally excusable and understandable why, but he you know never quite got up to the speed they were hoping patrick we don't need to rehash that no you can see how this group ends up being really good and i mean it doesn't take that much projection because it's not that different a group from what it was the first you know the first year of elaine Vigneault's time in philly but we'll see we'll say it you know we were saying the same things things at the beginning of last season and the flyers it seems like they want to eliminate the the guesswork now which means maybe there's another center coming, maybe like some bottom six dude. Saw someone float Pierre-Edouard Belmar's possibility earlier, and I was like, oh, wow, him again. Oh, um, I someone like him back at this point. Someone like that, even. Someone like that. That'd be fine. Be I'd fine. be perfectly fine with that. So uh, Here's the thing. You sign a guy who's making half a mil for the fourth line. You put 
two three million dollar men you have the three and a half men i hate myself <laughs> oh but it's two and a half men Ah, fuck it i, I messed up three men and a baby no i don't know anymore <laughs> oh dear um then they gotta I'm figure out the goalie situation too and it's all R- rasmus ristolainen's fault it's all rasmus ristolainen's fault and yes they have to figure out the goalie situation because from all indications brian elliott moose will not be back and that's probably for the best because as much as i love moose the man cannot be your 50-50 guy or even your 60-40 guy at this point. No. He really needs to be behind a workhorse if he's going to be in there. Yep, pretty much. And we don't know if we just don't know if Carter Hart's that yet. We just don't know. We don't know. This is a big year for Carter Hart. It seems like it does seem like there's a decent market for guys like that. Like they're who could be options. Um it, granted it seems like right now they all play for the they are all under, you know, the Carolina Hurricanes control. Go figure. Which, what what an offseason for the Carolina Hurricanes where they they traded their top goal pre- goaltending prospect to Detroit and then they made it sound like they were going to go out and really swing for the fences and then they're like, well, I guess it's going to be Mrazek or Reimer or Bernier. Like, come on, guys. Like, I like Carolina. They put together a really good team there, but like, it's very clear that they seem content rolling the dice in net like every year and hoping it doesn't burn them. And this past year, it didn't, because Djelkovic was really good, and I guess they saw something there that they didn't trust. Because I don't think, like, he signed for three mil in Detroit, and I saw that there was, like, a family thing there. I believe his wife or fiancé is based, or, like, lives out in Michigan for, I don't remember if it's, like, nursing school or medical school or something along those lines. So, like, he was happy to go to Detroit, and maybe he got a better deal there than he was fighting for with Carolina. But I'm surprised. I'm surprised they dealt him, and it really does seem like they are willing to roll the dice when it comes to to goalies in a way that maybe they should be because that team should be really good otherwise. Um, though who knows what's going to happen with Hamilton. But, yeah, I, I don't know. It's, it's funny that they have, like, three guys who could feasibly all be option. Well, no. Who am I kidding? The Flyers aren't getting Pia Morazic back. No, absolutely the fuck not. Oh, no, they, I don't want they that. They have three no. guys who are decent, you know, goalie options in general, two of whom I could see the Flyers going after. Like, I never want to watch Peter Morazic in the orange and black again. I know he played better in Carolina, but that dude overcompensated so bad. Like, he get slid the, to the right, like, and he went through the boards. <laughs> like, I don't want to talk. I, I never want to think hear about, about Peter Morazic. I'm just going to think about Bill screaming that he doesn't know how to turn left. It's true. He's Zoolander. It's terrible. It's terrible. <laughs> I I am perfectly fine with Halak, Reimer, Bernier, like a guy like that. Um, Halak is my preferred one right now. I know he's older, but he's been rock solid for Boston. Oh, if you can get him, I'd be all about that. Especially at the cap that he's been playing at. I think it's a 225. Yeah, I mean, it seems like he's like being in Boston, or he like being in Boston, but he's they're going to go in a different direction. So, yeah, if you can get him for not that much, like, I'd take it. No no doubt. I've always liked him. Reimer's a guy, you know, Reimer's interesting. He, you know, had a solid start to his career, never really blossomed into more. And, I'd you know, I'd take him too. I like him. But these are all decent lists. Braden Holtby, it's so fucking funny to me how the Vancouver Canucks, like, do this. They 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 can't even, even with two-year deals, they don't know how to sign anything other than just truly fucking terrible contracts. Like, they, <laughs> it's a two-year deal, and one year into it, they're either going to have to trade him or buy him out. 
and it's just incredible how they do this all the time. They are having a time of it right now, by the way. All that, and and even the trade for the even the trade they just made last week, where they dumped all those dudes who had one year left on their contract, all on contracts that we knew were terrible when they were signed. By the way, I think it was Roussel, Beagle, and Erickson, if I remember right. All contracts that we knew were bad, and all, but all ones that were going to expire next year for Oliver Reckman Larson, who may or may not still be good. A lot of people don't think he is who signed for eight mil a year for the next six and all this. So they can barely resign so they can sign guys like Pedersen and Hughes to bridge deals just so like three years from now, when they're still going to have Oliver Ekman Larson's cap it on their books, they can do this all again. And yeah, they're Braden Holtby might get bought out because they're very bad and they gave him a contract. There was no way to know that could have gone poorly. They no have, way, no, unfortunately. Three super expensive defensemen right now. They have Ekman Larson, Tyler Myers, and Nate Schmidt all making five nine five or higher. Yeah, Schmidt. I, I remember when we went to the Flyers to get Schmidt last year, and he's you know he's not bad. He's a pretty good defenseman still, but probably not what that team honestly needs. And then Myers. Myers is bad. Myers is bad. We all yeah. We Myers, all, I mean, Myers is bad now. I, I would have liked good. Schmidt last year as a Niskin replacement. Yeah. Yeah, didn't work out, but I don't know. They may they may be willing to trade him. Who knows? Yeah, so maybe they'll trade him for Rasmus Ristolainen. Oh wow! Oh, um, wow. and then yeah, apparently Vegas is looking at trading Marc Andre Fleury. I don't know. I don't want this to happen for the Flyers' cap hit unless Vegas retains a bunch because Fleury's an expensive guy. I like Fleury, but he's an expensive guy. I, I also and also like yeah, so that's true. The Flyers, I don't think, want to spend that much money on it, and I, I don't want to play psychologist here. But after the year Carter Hart just had, do we really need to like Jalen hurts him by bringing in a guy who like just won the Vezina and to say like, hey, <laughs> he's your backup. Don't worry, Carter. And like, no, I don't think I, I don't think he'll like that after a year where he clearly struggled with a lot of this. Like, I don't. Not to say that they shouldn't do everything they can possible, but it seems clear that they want to make this work with him, and that's not how you do that, I don't think. No, I, I don't think so either. To I your will point say that, earlier, and yeah, say it. Say it. I, I will say the one reason I would really want to trade for Marc-Andre Fleury is to drive Pittsburgh Penguins fans insane. I texted my friend of the show, Pittsburgh Steve, earlier, and I said, what would you do if Flurry got traded to the Flyers? He replied with one word, and that word was die. <laughs> For the content. Let's do this. Let's make this. I'm all, I'm all in on it now. Let's, let's, let's get this content. I'm all in. Pittsburgh just, it, they would lose their minds, so I'm all about it. I, I look, and also, you know, Alan Walsh can do some, some great Photoshop work. <laughs> I'm here for that. Put Vigneault on a sword. <laughs> oh, in. my God. That was last year. Oh and the guy God, won the Vezina. Right. Oh, my God. <laughs> wild. Absolutely What wild. a time to be alive. It's a shame Marc-Andre Fleury died when he got stabbed by Peter DePore's sword. <laughs> it's a real shame. It's tragic, really. <laughs> oh, goodness. Wild times in the NHL. Wild times in the NHL, and the last thing I wanted to harp on as far as Flyers moves to be made is there was a, a lot of rumor and hearsay before the draft about Vladimir Tarasenko 
And that's cooled down a little bit. I mean, Tarasenko is still very likely to get traded in some way. It just seems increasingly less likely that the Flyers are that destination. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, the idea always seemed fun of, you know, taking a chance there. That said, when they put – my calculus changed a little bit here when they put him out for expansion. And it's it hasn't been helped by the fact that he still hasn't been moved. There's something going on there that is clearly not great. Like I know that there's a dispute between him and the team about like how his like about his shoulder surgery or something like that. I don't don't quote me on that. I don't remember what the exact details are, but Kurt R quote directly. If no one's willing to take that chance, like there's something going on that we don't know. And like if you can get him like retained salary. And give up basically nothing to do it. Yeah, it probably makes sense. It's it's probably a worthwhile. It is a worthwhile gamble for some team to see if he can still be 80, 90 percent of his old self. But but yeah, it's I'm less in. I mean, and you know, it's easy for me to say this now that there's realistically no chance it's going to happen. But like, I'm less enthusiastic about the possibility as I was like a week ago when it still seemed like this was like a guy that you trade for that you might have to give up stuff for. Like if St. Louis who, you know, watched him be this awesome player for a decade and, you know, saw him be one of the best players on their cup team. If they are willing to give him away, like just give him away for nothing. And teams are saying, no, like some smells funny there. I don't know, but it, you know, absolutely just a fun player during his peak. And if, if you think you can, it is a, it will be a worthwhile gamble for some team to take on. I just, I'm not devastated it's not the Flyers. Right, I'm not devastated either, and I like Tarasenko, and it would have been a lot of fun. But as you said, there is something rotten in the Budweiser factory, and nobody knows, that's the only St. Louis reference I could really think of. Well, if if you ever go through the Budweiser factory, it smells like horse poop, so it's probably... All the Clydesdales brew the the beer. I've been to this factory, and it smells like horse poop, let me tell you, folks. Um, But but, heavies are made by Clydesdales just stomping around on wheat and barley in a circle yeah that that's that's actually true i guess you've been on the store i have been yes oh wow okay it's yeah so tarasenko ship seems to have sailed there and a lot is coming up wednesday is when free agency starts i think a lot is going to happen and you know there's too much to talk about right now we're gonna i'll probably end up doing another one this later this week because there's so much to talk about In the meantime, I would love to talk about the other biggest trade that happened in the past few days, and that would involve the Chicago Blackhawks and the Columbus Blue Jackets. Columbus Blue Jackets just continue their fire sale, and Seth Jones has finally been traded, and of course it had to be Chicago because Chicago acquired his brother. It's in the CBA. If you acquire one brother, you must acquire another. You must acquire both brothers. A set or nothing. How did we how did we end up with both Shens but never both Van Riemsdyks? Because like Trevor Van Riemsdyk's fine. I would have taken him on the Flyers. He's a totally cromulent third pair defenseman. I'd take him. I totally thought it was gonna happen last year. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, but yeah, they are together in, in Chicago for a lot of money. For a lot of money. And a decent like Columbus, given that it seems clear that Seth Jones, like from the reporting that's out there, the only two teams he was really interested in getting traded to were Chicago and Dallas. Which is Given, so weird. Yeah, I don't know. There may be some family thing there. I forget. Um, but 
But like, given that the market there was not robust, Columbus did all right here. Like two, they got a first round pick, uh, effectively a pick swap. And in this year's draft, they went from the 32nd pick to the 12th pick. So like, that's a pretty big jump. And, and Adam Boakvist, who is good, uh, or he's like, you know, a good prospect. He's gotten some NHL time. Um, he was, I think, Chicago's first rounder in 2018. So he, you know, certainly still has a lot of, like a lot of, you know, career in front of him and a second round pick. So like, given all of that, like given that Jones was clearly on his way out and he had a lot of interest in Chicago, I think they did a pretty good job in this trade. Now, granted, you know, if you if you really like Seth Jones, you, you say it's worth it for him. But boy, that man got paid. I we heard about this contract and trade at the draft party. And mm-hmm. from those of you who were there with me when this happened, I was I was gleeful. I was filled with glee over this because I was so depressed over the Bristol Lion trade that this really brought me up because I I could not believe how much money the Chicago Blackhawks were paying Seth Jones here. I, it's stunning, really. I mean, he's got eight years at nine and a half million a year. And that's just crazy money for a that's guy that people so are much deeply money. divided on and think is already on the downside of his career. Yeah, he and like he's I, – I don't know if he's the first player to officially have a contract signed into the 2030s, but um, but he is now. He's got – he's he is through – under contract through the 2029-30 season. Um so yeah, that's that's a thing. And yeah, I mean it's a it's a question of how good he is. Like we we talked you and I talked about this. I don't remember if it was the last time I was on the show or I think it was. Yeah, and he isn't coming off a good year. The last couple years for him haven't been great and you know, it's I can't sit here and say that there's no possibility a change of scenery will do him wonders because you know, it's the same conversation we just had by Rasmus Ristolainen. But you you're banking on him rediscovering what he had in his Norris Trophy year, which was or his the year he was in contention for the Norris, which was I think seventeen eighteen, which was you know not that long ago. Maybe that's still in him. But this contract basically assumes you're gonna find that guy. And are you? Who knows? Not a bet I'd make. But who knows? Not a not a bet I would. Chicago's got to take some chances because they're sort of already screwed. Like they, you know, Kane and Taves are their contracts are up soon. Like they don't have a ton in the cupboard. That's what I was gonna say. They don't have a ton in the cupboard. Like what are they really looking at? Because like Kane could still give you some some usefulness because he was really good the past couple of years. You know, at least at hockey. Let's not talk about him otherwise. Taves is a guy who he's had injuries. He also just was not playing up to the same standard before those injuries. And I don't know, like very similar to Mike Richards, you know, with those kind of players, when the floor falls out, mm-hmm. it falls out hard. Yep. Yeah. I really don't know. And maybe they think this gives them some degree of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like some degree of predictability of like some sort of, they have some sort of foundation going into this next decade as those guys eventually go away. And, um, but yeah, cromulence. Um, but I mean, he'll if they you know if they acknowledge that they're not really that close right now, and maybe they don't acknowledge this. From what I saw, like Bowman basically said, we think this guy drastically alters um, you know the trajectory of our franchise because Chicago's defense is not good, and you know you add a guy like that in, everyone else can fu- 
if he's the guy you think he is, you put that guy there, everyone else can sort of fall into place in a way that makes a little more sense. Maybe your team makes more sense. But for that to work, he has to be that guy. And again, it's the same – it's to a degree the same conversation we have with Ristolainen, if, you know, however long ago. Granted, Jones I think has shown more than Ristolainen, but also he's now on an effectively a nine-year contract. So – yeah, it's an interesting bet. It's an interesting bet, and I don't know if it'll work out quite the way they think it will. Um, I'm guessing he will be better than he was last year, but I don't know if he's going to be – like he's – how many defensemen get paid more than that? Like I know Carlson and Dowdy both make obscene money. Um, I don't know how many guys have get paid more than that. Like it's – P.K. Subban maybe, yeah. Yeah, it's – it's, it's an interesting – I'm, I'm curious to see if that works out for them. Like I, I'm not super optimistic as you can maybe guess, but he – but I don't know. It would be interesting if it did. Well, and then the the interesting thing on top of that is the fact that Colorado then signed Kale McCarr to a very similar extension, a six-year, nine million, six by nine, nice – contract yeah, the sex contract <laughs> the sex contract happened for for kale mccarr but yeah that's I mean, an awesome I mean, that's, contract for colorado i yeah, love i mean that's also different because he you know that contract i think covers five restricted free agent years and only one ufa year it's weird that that's how that's set up because i think mccarr had a year where he played fewer than 10 games so he doesn't get the whole like so that doesn't count towards ufa so he still has so he still has five rfa years left so like truthfully that's a very like given how much of a discount you're supposed to get on RFA years, that's a pretty expensive contract. Nonetheless, he's probably still worth it. But like, yeah, it, it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting data point there. Cause he very well may be the most, you know, the most valuable defenseman in the NHL right now. Um, granted when you have to pay a guy like that, things become tougher, but you would rather have him than not. Obviously. You would rather have him than not. And, and also for the record, uh, I just looked it up. PK Subban, uh, 9 million cap hits. So, yeah. I uh, thought that was right. Yeah. Cause they, yeah. they gave him that contract and then traded him to Nashville for a long time though. That was one of the most expensive defenseman contracts out there. Yeah. Cause they, I remember they signed him to that bridge deal and then he won the Norris and it's like, Oh, we have to pay him crap. And then they paid him and traded him to Nashville for Shea Weber. She, Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. <laughs> well, see, well, Good luck with that, Chicago. Good luck with that. Mm -hmm. Indeed. Uh, Well, that was, I think, the biggest story. We talked a little bit about Vancouver, and then, you know, there's some other deals here and there, but we could probably talk about this for another, like, three hours if we do. I don't have a ton to say about the Flyers draft at this point. I will get a draft expert on at some point, but I did want to quickly just run down, you know, the picks that they did make. So round two, pick 46, that was their first pick because they did not have the first rounder because of everybody's favorite Risto, Risto, Risto. (laughs) They went with right wing Samu Tuomala. Let's go with that. Samu Tuomala. I asked for a pronunciation and if I got that wrong, sorry. Can I use sorry, not sorry anymore? I don't even know. (laughs) Has that been canceled? (laughs) All the good fly purpley catchphrases are getting canceled right now. We'll get to that. In we'll a few get minutes. to that. But oh my god, I, it's just so frustrating. But uh, anyway, this pick—I don't know much about their picks, but I do know this one was looked on very highly by a number of people. It really seemed to be a good steal for the Flyers at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw. I 
I'll be honest, I was not plugged into the draft this year, even before the Flyers traded their first-round pick. But, yeah, it seemed like a lot of folks had him pegged as a late first-round type. You know, if he falls to 46, is he really a late first-round type? But it seems like he fits a profile that the Flyers could use in their in their forward rank. So, seems like a good pick. Yeah. Here for uh, Tom, Tom Williams and BSH said, for the first pick, it's certainly a high ceiling of a pick that could potentially pan out as a solid middle six winger that can contribute on the power play, given the fact that the Flyers have really tried to nail down these offensive players, selecting either Bobby Brink or Tyson Forrester with their top picks in recent years. In Tuamala, they got a similar projection of a player. He also added, he skates fast and shoots the puck a lot, which that's all I need to hear, and that's all that matters. I like people who skate fast and shoot. So I'm in favor. (laughs) Now, regarding their other picks, round three, pick 78, goalie Alexei Kolosov. Round uh, round four, pick 110, left defenseman Brian Zanetti. Round five, pick 158, left defenseman Ty Mur- Murchison. I'll go with that. Looks, round, real, looks right. Yeah, uh, good enough. That was uh, also part of the Michael Roffel trade with Washington. Miss you, Waffles. Round six, pick 174, right defenseman Ethan Sampson. In round seven, pick 206, Owen McLaughlin, a center. Neat. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's where I'm at. Like I said, I, I, you know, I've been a little out of it with the draft this year, even before they traded Risto. I was hope, as as Kelly Hinkle famously said on BSH Radio multiple times, I hoped the Flyers made no draft picks. Um, they made six, and after trading one of them for Rasmus and so, you know, fuck them. But, yeah, I, I like the Tuamala pick, honestly, after that. Like, we'll, you know, we'll dive more into it. I imagine someone who pays more attention to this stuff than I can than I do can give you a, a better rundown of it. But um, but yeah, you know, if if anyone after round two gives you contributions, you're you know, you, you hit the jackpot anyways. So you really have, we'll you really have, and I, I think longtime listeners of the show will know I don't know shit about the prospects until they become actual prospects. That's where we are with that. Uh, I will say uh, this much: uh, Corey Pronman, or as we like to call him, the Porn Man. Gave the Flyers a C minus. The Flyers didn't pick until number 46, but they did a decent job salvaging this draft. Samuto Amala is a good player, and Alexei Kolosov has a solid chance to be a backup goalie. Realistically, only Tuomala plays from this group, though. So not optimistic. Womp womp. At least the letter grade was within the traditional letter grade alphabet. Mm-hmm. I'm like a J. It's not a J. <laughs> took me a second to say like what do you mean oh right the j that the flyers got for the trade for their first round pick yeah not not even an f minus a j it might as well be a z a z Z for yeah the canadian listeners need to recognize what that is a z yeah that's the draft that's the draft and that brings us to the event that all of you have been waiting for with bated breath i know every this is what everybody's tuned into the show to hear is my two cents on the guy from Stained. I have gotten this story from so many people on Twitter, <laughs> and I thank you all for sending it my way, because you know this is relevant to my early 2000s musical interest. So, multiple people sent this over. Aaron Lewis of Stained, the bald dude who screamed into a microphone from Stained, who's going on tour with Corn, I might add, which, holy That's shit. It's very twisted. Albert will be there. You need to no, call an Al for this conversation. God damn it. That's a, light the Albert signal. <laughs> Can't believe we're talking about corn. We're talking about corn. We're talking about stain. We're talking about the fact that the 
the song that I use on this show quite often, which I think Craig had gotten from Comedy Bang Bang once upon a time, been a while. Aaron Lewis performed this twice in the same show by accident because he was so drunk and high. You know what I'm realizing right this second? That I'm drunk enough that I should be playing outside right now. And instead, I'm playing a fucking song I already played tonight, which means I might be slightly overserved. So should I play the fucking song that I was supposed to be playing the whole fucking time? Because maybe I might have smoked a little bit too much weed tonight. I will say that's a first. That's a first right there. I'll hear about that one tomorrow. Wow. Neat. Really neat. And this is a guy you can clearly tell is in a great frame of mind. And somebody you should be taking very serious... Please click on the link. This is somebody you should be taking very serious political discourse and commentary from. A man like this. Because Aaron Lewis, while playing in Delaware, wore a fuck Biden shirt and an impeach Biden hat. In Delaware? Wow. Yeah. I don't think I put that part together. Yep. In Dewey Beach. And... I, you know, I, and again, I'm not exactly looking to the people still showing up at stained shows in the year 2021 for <laughs> leadership on the country, but apparently he's got like a big time right wing, like protest country song out there or something. It's just like, Jesus Christ. I, I, I can't tell you how cringy musicians have been in the past year couple years as far as like having these opinions go because like over in england you have van morrison and eric clapton recording incredibly shitty protest songs against mask mandates and such and eric clapton apparently is like who would have thought eric clapton would be a guy who's like well you can't tell people to vaccinate to come to my show or i'll cancel the show okay jesus christ what's going on and of course you have paul smash mouth saying fuck that covid shit at a concert that led to (laughs) God only knows how many COVID cases. An insane oh amount of COVID cases because oh people needed to see South Because people had to go to South Dakota to see Paul Smashmouth. To see Paul Smashmouth in the year 2020. Like, <laughs> what is going on? What is... Why Why is oh the stained God. guy, like, a political, like, figurehead in the musical? I, I It's just... It's insane. And... Uh, <laughs> So let's objectively laugh for a second about the fact that. Yeah, look at that. Yay, something good. One of the only good Phillies. One of the only good Phillies. I can't even. Folks, I can't even like the Phillies 100% anymore. What is going. Like, I like, like, Kutch and Reese. (laughs) That's, like, the list right there. Good for them. It's wild. Go Phils, I guess, but please, for the love of God, somebody get vaccinated on that team. It's like. Please take your shots. Please. It's not that hard. It's really it's not. not. It's not. It's not. Take a day off. Take your shot. Take a day off so you don't get strain and elbow while you're fatigued the next day because you should take a day off because it's a small dose of the virus. Oh my god, why do I have to explain this? Why is this why is this so difficult? <laughs> it's so stupid. We live in the dumbest <sighs> timeline, Kurt. Truly the absolute dumbest timeline. <laughs> now now back to our conversation about the stained guy. So putting aside all the political bullshit, which is very hard to put aside when he's literally wearing two pieces of clothing said fuck Joe Biden in his own state. But I, what a fucking time. He got high enough and drunk enough that he played been a while twice. But I guess when you have the stained catalog, there's only so many songs you could go through. If you're telling me that they have songs other than the it's been a while song, 
Like, I just don't believe you. Like, no, those, those don't exist. Get out of here. There's two. It, it's, uh, it's, and then there's outside, which is the one where Fred Durst, you know, f- friend of the show, Fred Durst right there. He's not a friend <laughs> of the show, folks. Not at all. Fred Durst shows up in the middle of the live version and goes, this is the real motherfucking deal, y'all. <laughs> Which, for some of our younger listeners, maybe you don't know that in the early 2000s, there was a time where uh, people released live music videos. And they'd be doing a sensitive uh, tender. It's not a sensitive tender song, but it's acoustic and slow, right? So it's not something where somebody should just stop in the middle of it and go, this is the real motherfucking deal, y'all. But there's Fred Durst and his red Yankees at. I pulled up the stained page on Wikipedia just to, like, look at some stuff. And like there, the, you know how if you go to a band's page on Wikipedia, it has like the timeline of all their members. So like it has stained all the way up through like mid, like before 2013, and then I guess they stopped. And they have like a little chunk in 2015, and then there's like a little like one pixel sliver in 2017, and then they come back like full time in 2019. But I want to know like what did Stain do in t- for like a day in 2017 that led someone on Wikipedia to put them. To say like they are back on this day, but um, I, I don't know. I feel like I feel like I have to figure this out now. If, if you okay, on August fourth, twenty seventeen, the band performed for the first time an acoustic performance since November twenty fourteen for an acoustic performance at Aaron Lewis's sixth annual charity golf tournament in concert basis. In concert one basis, Johnny April. Okay, I don't care anymore. Um, he said, <laughs> "Oh well, okay, we'll wait." He did say three days later, Lewis announced that Stained would never tour extensively again, um, and they lied. Because they came back to have, to do all this shit, you know. The band announced in April 2019 that they would reform in September for some live performances. But the COVID pandemic led to the festival being canceled. That's a shame. Um, yeah, so they came back for one day and said, we're not going to do any more shows. And then in 2019, they started doing more shows. I don't like this guy. Fuck the it's been a while guy. You know what? That's my stance. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I agree. I agree. Fuck the it's been a while guy. Fuck, fuck the guy from Stained. It's just like, can all the fly perbally, uh reference guys just just stop being terrible? Thank God Guy Fieri is a legitimate good person. We're going to find great. out tomorrow that like he murdered like five people in 1989 or something. But please, until then, don't ruin. You know, from everything I've heard, he's like one of the best people it's- in the world. Somehow, I feel like when I when I said yesterday or whenever we were talking about it, that I would go on the that I should go on the show today. I feel like I had the idea that we we do the we do the Fieri scale for all the Flyers moves, and I feel like I just now an hour and um, thirty nine minutes into this show, I'm remembering that we should have done that. But it's okay. We're we're hey, not Kurt, going back. We're not going, we're we're past Kurt, the point of no return. We're not doing. There that. is no time like the present. We knock this out. It takes a minute. Okay. <laughs> there's there's three of them. It's easy. Okay. Shane Goss to spare to Arizona. That needs a lot more goddamn donkey oh, sauce. There's no, that has no donkey sauce. That is, it is, that is, it is as bone dry as the state of Arizona. Yeah. Um, the Rasmus Ristolainen and trade. Um, oh dear God. I don't know. Like, is that like rotten donkey sauce? Cause like it, you it know, is. the flavor might be there, but we don't know if it's good or not. And it might be, it could be potentially catastrophic. It could give you the shits for a week, but like it could work. The donkey sauce is going bad. <laughs> uh, and then, and then Vortech Frackinson, that's, 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 that's somewhere close. That's, 
I don't know if that's a full trip to Flavortown and back, but I feel like you're you're on the road. You're on the road, yeah. You're you're as you far know. as one for one player trades go in the NHL. That's not a bad one. That that that's that's on the way to Flavortown, if not a full round trip. Right, I absolutely agree. And of course, the full round trip, Ryan Ellis for Nolan Patrick and Phil Myers. Oh, that is that's a that's full absolutely round trip all the way there and back. Like everybody along the way has gotten complimentary donkey sauce and burgers. <laughs> like it's. Everybody's happy, except for the people in Nashville. Except that. <laughs> I know I, I talked extensively with Avid about this last week, but I just can't fathom being a Nashville Predators fan and seeing that deal and just, I lose my shit. Yeah, and, you know, he kind of did. <laughs> Poor Avid going. <laughs> I feel like he was really going through it on that day in, in a it lot was. of different directions. Poor Avid. The Flyers what? There, the Preds did what? <laughs> Oh, but you know, when you get Cody Glass out of all that, it's worth it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's so that's that's the stained guy. You know, whatever. That's the stained guy. But we we still have Guy Fieri at the end of the day, and there, there's at least one flyperbole king who remains the king. Oh, and Owen will Owen Wilson's fine. I, I don't think. Oh, he's Owen wrong. Wilson's doing great if, right if, now. If anyone has any bad cancelable content about Owen Wilson, do not bring it to my attention. Do not. Um, I loved him in Loki. Like I don't. Bad. Feel free then, but like. Don't bring it to my attention. I don't want to know about it. If anything, I recommend watching the assembled thing on Disney Plus about Loki because Owen Wilson is a delight in that. Like he's talking about Shakespeare with Tom Hiddleston. Oh, it's, I, I, I think I saw the screen caps of that on Twitter. I don't think I've actually watched that, but it's, yeah. it is worth watching. I think it's like a quarter of the way into the assembled thing. It's like an hour. It is so good. Like they are just like, he's like, Oh yeah, I uh I was in that Shakespeare play. I've never been asked if I was in a Shakespeare play. It's so good. <laughs> like this guy comes up, he's just like, "Oh yeah, did you do Shakespeare?" Oh wow. <laughs> did he say wow? Cuz he didn't say it in Loki. Uh, I can't he said remember how, if he did. And now in the same inflection, but he never said wow. You know, other characters got to say wow, but not him, yeah, but you know, I no, no spoilers like for knew. Loki for like you folks, because it's, it's a good time. But the, the Assembled job. special, it, I really liked it. But the Assembled special uh, about the making of, where Owen Wilson and Tom Hiddleston are just like kind of shooting the breeze behind, you know, behind the scenes. It's it's so good. Definitely check it out. All right. Well, that is a hell of a show for you folks. It, a nice long one. It has been, you know what? We're going to change this to Led Zeppelin. Been a long time. That's not a good Led Zeppelin, but whatever. Um, <laughs> not a good Robert Plant. But it doesn't matter because it's been a long time since we've had a... Actually, I think the last one Kurt was on was our last really long play probably. Although the Eamon one last week was uh, it was sizable, for sure. It was a fun, ep- it was a fun episode. It was. I had a lot of... I have a good time talking... I have a good time with everybody. But, you know, when we get the, the extra flapiness in with you or Eamon, it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, extra flape. That's all I have to say about it. The dream. It's the dream. Living the dream right there. All right, but that is all we have, and it was plenty uh, of more. What was the thing you wanted to talk about? That uh, Luke Prokop. Oh, Luke Prokop. Yes. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. Yes, I almost forgot about this again. I I wanted to bring it up on BSH Radio when I was on there. I didn't get a chance. Luke Prokop. What a hero this kid is! Like I, coming out as a gay hockey player is just stunning. Something long overdue. I really hope he makes it to the NHL. I'm just so proud of him for coming out and the support he's gotten and please keep the support coming. It's awesome. I love to see it. I think Elton John reached out to him, which is awesome. He did. What a story. Oh man. That's so cool. Like I, and you know, you, 
the NHL has said for a long time it's ready for this. And, you know, people who have been close to the situation have said, no, you're not. And, I mean, I'm just glad – I'm glad that, you know, whatever whatever you can say about all that, I'm glad that he is comfortable with that. And, you know, we're cer- certainly all rooting for him. Um, you know, we hope, he, hope he's able to make it to the league. But even just, you know, having a guy – on you know under contract it's a big deal like it's a big deal someone to someone for people to look up to someone for you know someone for people to root for someone who people can look at and say you know that guy's like me i can do this it's it's really big for the league and or no well i don't want to fr- i don't even want to frame it that way like it's it's big for him and hopefully he becomes the first of many who's comfortable doing this yes absolutely people deserve to be comfortable and live as you know they truly are and be themselves and I want the NHL to be an inclusive place where they are free to do that. And, you know, it's it's a scary thing, especially in this macho sports environment where people use these just horrendous slurs. And I'm just so proud of him for doing this. And I hope that it's just the first of many. Mm-hmm. Yep. Well said. And, you know, best of luck well, to him. Hope and that, and let's... Know, his team, oh, sorry. His team, no, no, just not, not much substance tab there. Best luck to him. Hope that, you know where he is in Calgary, hope they're, you know, hope they got his back, hope that they're all, you know, on the same team with him and that when he's in when he's in Nashville and their organization that they do the same for him, do everything they can for him. And then let's quickly, very quickly dunk on the complete opposite end of the hockey inspiration spectrum and say, what is wrong with the Montreal Canadiens? Steve, are you talking about their decision on the draft on Friday? Or are you talking about the fact that they're rumored to be in on Tony D'Angelo today? Oh my friggin' god. Why not both? Uh, How do I say porcanolostos in French? Um, yeah, <laughs> it's it's not good. It's not a good weekend for them. Um, so like They're just y- collecting creeps at this point. Yeah, so, the well, you know, the Tony D'Angelo thing hasn't happened, but... The, so the decision Steve's referring to there, of course, is their their decision to draft uh, defenseman Logan Mayu on Friday night. Um, I believe that about a week before the draft, a story broke of him getting convicted in Sweden for um, for the crime. He he had a sexual consensual sexual encounter with a woman, photographed it, and sent it to fr- sent the photos of friends to sent the photos to friends of his. He was convicted for that, forced to pay a fine. Um, and yeah, and that story broke, if I remember correctly, broke last week and he, and you know, there was scrutiny that came as a result of that naturally. And there was a story in the athletic broken by uh, Katie Strang and Corey Pronman on, it was Tuesday of last week. That's the 20th. Yeah. Tuesday of last week with some more details on it and uh, including input from the woman who was victimized by this act. And it, Mayu came out about an hour after that story was released. You can say, you can, you can guess that he had some sort of, you know, internal realization. You can guess he was looking out for himself, but um, you can, but whatever, you know, whatever the cause there, he said, I don't think I should be drafted. He said, I'm renouncing my rights in this draft. I don't think a team should draft me. And I mean, Based on how he was talking to teams, I think that's, you know, I think that was primarily an act of self-preservation. Like the article from Strang and Pronman said that, um, said that in a Daily Faceoff report, Mayu was quoted as, so I guess credit here to Frank Cervalli in Daily Faceoff, 
Uh, in the report, Mayu was quoted as telling Swedish police investigators that he believed the woman wanted to ruin his life. Multiple sources told The Athletic that in interviews with some NHL teams, Mayu has portrayed the woman as vindictive. So that's not it, – it feels unlikely that he just got – he reached this realization where he thought he had to be better. But nonetheless, he came out and said, hey, I shouldn't – I needed to – I need to do better here. I need to learn. I need to – I need to, you know, handle this situation better than I have. Don't draft me. And the Montreal Canadiens came out and said, nah, we're going to do it anyways. Oh and so they took God. him with the 31st pick on on Friday night. So still in the first round, even. And, you know, not to totally let them off the hook, but reporting out there has suggested several teams would have taken him in the second round if he was still there, because, of course, they would have. But it's it's not a it's just a really bad look. It's not good for them. It's not, you know, it's I mean it's gross and it he is gross. he said yeah he pretty much said that i don't have the exact quotes in front of me but he pretty much said that the canadians like didn't reach out to him like he learned that he was getting drafted by the canadians at the same time as everyone else so like he didn't make it sound like there were real conversations between him and them and it sounded like that they would have that he wouldn't when he was talking about it I believe he said like he wanted to, you know, take some time and really reflect. And then when the Canadians drafted him, he said, you know, I think that I'm in a right organization here. But um, I don't know the the responses that Mark Bergevin and Trevor Timmons in the uh, in the Montreal front office gave on Friday and Saturday this past week were not good on this. And it's no, it's it not a, a good look. it's not a good look for them. It's just not. And they've been largely raked over the coals for this and again i'm sure if it wasn't them some other team would have done it but like they can't the kid fucking said don't draft him and again i don't want to give him credit for this because he did a really fucking shitty thing that he you know was punished for and at the same time you want you know that doesn't necessarily have to be the end of his hockey playing career but he said like he needs but he needs to prove that he has truly become a better person as a result of this that shit doesn't happen in three days that shit doesn't happen in a week and he's and he like still by all accounts has not really reached out to the woman that he did this to um what she said was that she asked for a sincere apology in written form again this from the prominent strang article in the athletic she asked for a sincere written apology in written form because she did not want to meet with him in person she said she received a text that was no longer than three sentences and Nothing that we've heard since that article came out on Tuesday last week suggests that he has done more than that. And, like, there's there's nothing that suggests, like, he's come a long way since that article, since, you know, that article came out six days ago. And, it, it again, people can, people can get, you know, people can become better after doing terrible things. It doesn't happen this quickly. And Montreal doesn't seem to have done the homework that suggests that they think he's there or that they even or that they even think he can get there. They see a solid right shot defenseman who can add in some offense, you know, and it's not it's not good enough. It's not good enough. It's not good enough. And the the fact is, like, they, they just have the entire time basically like, well, he wasn't going to be there the next time we came up. Give me a break. That is the weakest shit. And the fact that they had a, a PR statement ready immediately yeah. for this knows that they, it shows that they knew it was a bad idea. 
and yeah. they went ahead with it anyway. And when Bergevin talked about it, I think he talked about, like said several times, from the hockey side, this was a great pick. From the hockey side, he was the best player on our board. It's like you gotta you gotta show that these other things matter, and they didn't do that. And like Montreal has built up, like they built up a lot of goodwill with their fan base, and even in the NHL over you know the last however many months, had a real you know they were a pretty fun team to watch in the playoffs, and they built up some goodwill around the league. Like you know, it, league's more interesting when the Canadians are good. Like we don't we don't want to admit it, but they are. But, and it feels like they lost a lot of that goodwill in one fell swoop. And unlike, you know, we joke about the Flyers losing all their Ryan Ellis goodwill by taking Rasmus Ristolainen. That doesn't fucking matter. Like, this this does. And... It, <sighs> because this is about more than hockey. This is, yeah. Right? This isn't just a game, and they tried to tell us it was. Like, Bergevin stood up there and said from the hockey side... This was the best deal for us. Okay, but there's there's so much more going on here. And he knows that. To your point, they had the statement drawn up. And when you know you have a, have a statement drawn up for a draft pick, maybe just don't make it. Like, the guy even – he gave them an out. He gave them an out, and they couldn't even help themselves. And it gives you this impression that if the Canadians could have made this pick and covered it up, they absolutely would have done that. Much like oh yeah, the Coyotes just hoping that the thing about their pick a couple of years ago just never came out, where he yeah. bullied that kid. You know, it just it's it's obviously different situations, but it, it all comes down to these teams saying, well, it's not about the character, it's not about the morals, it's not about anything but what's on the ice, and that's just gross. Pretty much. And, you know, I mean, I hope that Logan Mayu learns. Like, I truly hope that, you know, he did a fucking terrible thing and who know, and, you know, we don't know if the woman that he did that to is ever going to be able to live it down. But you hope that he learns why, that he actually learns why what he did was wrong. But if he is having, interv- if he was as recently as early last week having interviews with NHL teams where he says that, she's being vindictive and trying to ruin his life. And if his agent is citing cancel culture for reasons why this, like for reasons why he can't go on the record to talk about it, like that hasn't happened yet. It very clearly hasn't happened yet. And it may never happen. And, you know, playing in this league, playing professional sports, isn't a, like, it's not a, it's not a right. Like, that's a the word. I it, inexplicably two hours into this, I, I, forgot which one is a right and which one is a privilege well that's because um, your brain's yeah. completely scrambled from all yeah. the flight talk but yeah no <laughs> it, it is not a right it's a privilege it is yeah. not something that you're owed by any yeah. means yep and he you know he should have to show that he he should have to show that he's you know truly better than this and now I mean, same time the nhl hasn't always shown a cared about this and if they want hockey to be for everyone gotta do better gotta do better you're damn right. And we've, we've said this over and over on this program. The, the NHL wants to say hockey is for everyone, but hockey is clearly not for everyone. They need to do better. We all need to do better. And this starts with the Montreal Canadiens not willingly drafting somebody who's done something so bad that he tells them not to draft him. It's simple. Ugh. Yeah. Yep. Pretty not gnarly, all, like, pretty and, you know, bad. As, as we were talking about earlier, you know, we're too reasonably well off 
straight white guys on a podcast talking about this. Like we probably aren't the right people to, but nonetheless, it's, you know, it's, if we can see it, people who are more affected by this, us surely can. And NHL's got to know who it's alienating with this. The Montreal Canadiens have to be able to know who they're alienating with this. And yeah, it's, it's really disappointing. It's extremely disappointing. So do better NHL. It's that simple. Do better, yep. be better. Straight up. All right, folks. Well, we, we, we were going to end on the positive, but then I was like, well, no, we need to address this. It had to be addressed because it is such a big deal and just such yeah. terrible behavior by a hockey player and by a team and just a, a just shitty situation all around. Do better, be better. But regardless, we do thank you for listening to this great program. I called it a great program. It's not a great program, but I'm calling it that. Okay, whatever. <laughs> Kurt. Sure, sure some content. Any tangy tent coming up on Broad Street Hockey over the next week or so from you. Yeah, I'm working on some thoughts about um, some more thoughts about the wrist line and trade, a lot of which I've talked to, I sort of said out loud in this in this podcast just about, you know, the decision to trade for him, about what his strengths, about what his perceived strengths and weaknesses are, what his role is, uh, things like that. That's the big thing I've been working on. If I don't, I don't think at this point I'll have it by tomorrow, but I'm, prob- I'm hoping to have it by Wednesday. Um, just because, you know, that suddenly becomes the, you know, the hinge point for this team this offseason and like going into next season. Because if, if it works out, it's hard not to see them being significantly better. And if it doesn't, well, we'll see. But uh, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at Kurt underscore BSH. Um, have been somewhat quiet lately, but uh, that will probably change as free agency hits. Uh, but yeah, that's the big one for now. Well, you got stuff to do. You're a busy man, Kurt. But, you know, we, we are looking Aren't forward to getting some more feelings on Ristolainen, which is people have feelings about that. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, yeah, sure do. They sure do. You can follow me at Flyperbole or at Estebaum, but make it Flyperbole if it's for hockey. Also, the Flyperbole Instagram where I did a live video of Gritty and he stole my phone. And I'm very lucky that Gritty did not steal my entire identity because I have one of those wallet cases and you know, gritty could be oh, ordering dear. all sorts of shit on my, my dime right now. Oh no. Gritty's just riding the subway on my dime. He's like <laughs> logging in Amazon. Oh, could be a disaster. Yeah, they are, they are, they give, they give gritty, like they give gritty a gold card. Let's be honest here. That's true. It's true. And the thing is gritty also does not have the opposable thumbs to be able to, Really? Or they're just too big. He has opposable thumbs. They're just he too has big. opposable squeakers. That's true. And he did flash the, the belly button squeaker on the phone. So it was a little not safe for work content from Gritty on that. But uh, great time at the draft party. And thanks to Gritty for showing up with his handlers and the Flyers for the support. And thanks to everybody who showed up. We had a great time. And uh, looking forward to doing something else in the near future. And this one is there's more coming. Yeah. And I, I'm very pumped for all of it. All right. I'll be there well, for those. Yes. <laughs> you had stuff to do, my man. You're a busy man, Kurt. 
Oh, no, I, I, I'm, I'm bummed I missed it. It seemed like a fun time, even though the Flyers took some of the wind out of it. But I'm, I'm excited for, for I know there are more of them coming in the fall. Yes, there are more of them coming in the fall. I know we got the tailgate games thing coming up in September. That's going to be fun. Uh, so gather your teams, get together, get your practice for all the great tailgate games. And we're hoping for some viewing parties and other sorts of parties. I think we're going to have a lot of fun this upcoming season, hopefully with the product on the ice and just hanging out with each other. Mm-hmm. Sounds like fun. Oh, wow. Folks, stay safe out there. I know I, I have told you to mask up for a while and people stop masking up, but uh, things are getting almost a little dicier out there again, so eh, maybe wear the damn mask again and wash the damn hands and all that, but stay safe, take care of each other. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow. But in Shakespeare. (laughs) That's good. Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies, like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it. Then, in that moment, you don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done, and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of, like, afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts. What is up, Astros fans? This is Jeff Balke and my partner, former Astro Jeff Blum from the Believe in Astros podcast to tell you baseball is back and we've got your world champion Houston Astros covered. Every week we go inside the clubhouse, break down the games, discuss the players and give you everything you need to know about the Houston Astros baseball organization with special guests and a few surprises all summer and into the postseason. So tune in to the Believe in Astros podcast. That's B-L-E-A-V on Apple spotify youtube and everywhere you get your podcasts go astros our house is a mess come on in i'm amber wallen internet comedian plant queen and host of your new favorite podcast fly on the wall okay that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast by the way like come on amber anyway that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband and co-host benjamin wallen also a comedian and i host people at our home i have a great wine collection in my cellar well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge it's a mini it's fr- a mini yeah. fridge new episodes of fly on the wallen drop every wednesday listen in as we discuss relationships books and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet subscribe to fly on the wallen wherever you get your podcast Yes.